Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into another week of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy, the host of this show. Today, I've got Brant Dauntry and Tom Peavy with me as we talk all things college football from this past weekend, including, first and foremost, the Auburn Tigers after they defeat the Vanderbilt Commodores 31-15 at First Bank Stadium in Nashville. We'll give our complete thoughts on the Tigers picking up their fifth win of the 2023 campaign, second win in SEC place. We'll talk about all of that and what it might mean going forward. Again, we'll talk some big-time college football games from this past weekend, some storylines moving into the next week of action. And, of course, college basketball returns today as well. We've talked some Auburn a little bit last week. We will talk some more Auburn here in the next day or two, but we also want to give a brief preview today of the projected uh, SEC race there uh, this season as there's going to be some quality teams for Auburn to fight with in the Southeastern Conference this year. And since everyone is getting underway today and then Auburn tomorrow, we'll go with some SEC stuff today and then tomorrow uh, we will have some more Auburn-specific preview as they get set for their 2023 season. So we'll work that into this show as well. If you want to give us a call on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line and join the conversation, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one triple eight nine tiger nine. Ryan, Brant, and Tom with you here on this Monday. We'll start with you, Tom. Hope hey. you had a good weekend. Good to see you, sir. It was a good weekend. A good weekend of watching some Auburn football get a big win, and uh, we talk a lot more about that. Some other great games going on throughout uh, the college football world. Some NFL stuff going on. Some uh, baseball news today, and uh, a lot going on. But uh, first and foremost. This is chili dinner week for it Southwest. Is. It's Farm. game week. It's game week, baby. Uh, I've already been out there today, getting work set up, and be out there all this week doing some work. So, uh, yeah, Thursday from six p.m. to eight p.m. Uh, Southwest Fire Department chili dinner and raffle fundraiser. Uh, we've got some great prizes we're going to be giving away out there. Uh, door prizes throughout the event, and then three really big prizes at the end of the night. Uh, live music. All the chili that you could possibly eat with all the fixings that go with it. Uh, Sports Call will be out there live Thursday uh, doing the show. And uh, it's a great family-friendly event that we put on every year. This is the 13th year that we've done it out there at at Southwest Fire Department. Uh, Station 1, 2176, Lee Road 137. And that is Wire Road, for those that may not realize, right, right near the Auburn Soccer Complex. And... You can't miss it. There will be lights galore out there, and uh, we we always have um, 
a lot of other surrounding fire departments come out and join us and have their engines and trucks there kind of on display and we'll have trucks on display and uh it's just a, it's a great event it's a it's a great event and it's for a great cause it's a a hundred percent volunteer fire department and it's made up mostly of auburn university students uh, i am i am the resident old guy there uh, but the rest of the the vast majority of the people that volunteer their time there are auburn university students um, some of them also work with city of auburn fire but uh, yeah, the most of them, they're students, and they, they sacrifice a lot to, to serve Lee County in, in that. And so uh, it is for a very good cause. It's a great time, and uh, we look forward to seeing a bunch of folks out there Thursday, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at Southwest Fire Department. Yes, sir, and as Tom said, we will take our show on the road on Thursday, and everyone is invited. We will be uh, out there from three to six, maybe a few minutes after we uh, get a get, get a chili. cup of chili or yeah, something. Uh, so we will be out there with the show. We will have a couple giveaways as well that may or may not pertain to some Auburn football coming up uh, on Thanksgiving weekend. So uh, we'll uh, we'll look in, into that, but also want to see uh, from some of our great callers. It's been a while since we've been on the road. And so we'd yeah. love for you to stop by and, and, and come say hello to us and then also support the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department because, as Tom talked about, this is, again, a, a yearly way for them to help with funds for their equipment yep. uh, and, and for what they do, which is obviously a very important service to our community and, and to every community needs uh, not only, uh, obviously, police but they need fire department they need yeah. uh you know some of them are city funded some of them government funded but this is funded through uh other means yeah. and so this is the type of thing that really helps them go so i uh, really want to see everybody out there it is it is not expensive at all uh, and there's also uh, a lot of ways to uh to win uh, oh, yeah. and cool things there too so um yeah like i said yeah. throughout the night there's door prizes galore we we've you know been able to we're so thankful that we've been able to get so many sponsors from around the community uh, that will uh, either donate their uh, services to us, whether it be food, whether it be drinks. But then also a lot of these prizes are from companies that, you know, giving out gift certificates and things like that that we can raffle off as our actually uh, door prizes that we give away. And then the three big ones uh, raffle off that uh, there's like a Blackstone Grill a yeti cooler and for anybody that's ever purchased a yeti, yeti cooler you know that uh mm -hmm. those can get up there in price and then uh the the biggest is that we do every year from uh, the firing pin over in opelika is a, a remington shotgun that we uh we raffle off uh that's kind of the grand prize and Absolutely. so uh, yeah man it's fun it's a, it, it's for a good cause it's fun it's family friendly uh this you know this is not a wild crazy alcohol fueled something right. there there's no alcohol this it's just sitting around eating chili listening to live music and winning some prizes absolutely so we highly encourage everyone to not only come say hello to us during the show but most importantly uh to attend the chili dinner dinner again from six to eight o'clock on thursday at the southwest volunteer fire department Brant Daughtry also on the show this afternoon. Brant, I hope you had a great weekend. Good to see you again, sir. Yeah, I did have a really good weekend. Uh, I spent it, the entire thing inside my house watching football, and you can never complain about that. Uh, yeah, chili dinner coming up on Thursday. That's super exciting. I, I've been to the last two. Not going to be able to make it this year personally, but uh, always a great time, and I encourage anybody who's thinking about it, go, because it, it's a great time. The live music's great, and 
uh, get to see Captain Peavy out there with the youngsters, uh, <laughs> bossing them around. But yeah, a great weekend of mostly filled with football. What a great weekend it was of football, not just college football, but the NFL as well. And I think this might be the strongest college football weekend we've had in a long time. And I'm really excited to talk about that. But overall, good weekend and excited to be here today. Yes, sir. So let's get to it and let's start with obviously the focus of our program, which is the Auburn Tigers. Auburn defeating Vanderbilt 31-15 to in Nashville. Myself and Brooks Childress had the opportunity to go up there. Uh, that will be included, that part of it, in my best and worst of the weekend. Maybe for both, a uh, little wink-wink at that. But uh, keep some of that for later. So let's focus on the game itself. Auburn got busy early on the ground. A couple explosive Jarquez Hunter runs in the first period. Trailed off a little bit there in the second, but then uh, came out of the locker room, motivated, hit uh, some deep pass plays, missed a couple deep pass plays, which we'll get into as well. But Auburn ultimately a game that, okay, aside from the pick six in the first half, never looked to be too worried about, looked like it was just an opportunity maybe for them to win by a larger margin. Ultimately, they win by two full possessions. Guys, thoughts on what you saw on Saturday? Um, so my thoughts are that Auburn took care of business uh, as I think most people figured they would. Now, <clears throat> Hugh Freeze came out uh, – before the game and he talked about that this was dangerous and that Auburn and some other teams have not had a lot of success at Vanderbilt. Yeah, I think he's kind of downplaying things a little bit there. I know Auburn would have lost their last two trips right. to Nashville. Right, 8 and 12, yep. Um, you know, it, it's it's one of those anytime you go on the road, you're like, mm, you know, road game, let's see what happens here. But it, they, they took care of business. Um, I'm glad that, so a couple of things I'm glad about. Um, first of all, I'm glad the defense bounced back because Vandy got the ball to start the game and drove straight down the field. And I was just like, oh, boy. I was like, is this what we're doing today? I mean, really? And they missed a field goal. And, what, two plays later, Jarquez is to the house. And it's like, you're like, okay, you know, we, we dodged the first wave from Vanderbilt, but then the defense just they, – they were pure shutdown after that. And so – Felt good. Then Jarquez broke off another run. That felt good. Um, so the positives there were Jarquez getting those big runs. The the negative things that I can say, uh, outside of those big chunk runs, it felt like it was tough going um, for some of those. And then uh, just some bad miscues in the passing game. Uh, the drops were just egregious. Uh, dropped a touchdown. I mean, a, a surefire show enough touchdown pass dropped uh several others that were just dropped and then of course thorn uh just a terrible decision i don't know whether he didn't see the guy out there or what but uh you know throws a pass out to his right and right to the guy from vanderbilt who just basically takes a step into the end zone and then he had another one later that should have been picked that vanderbilt dropped so they were good in the passing game. He, he, he made some really good throws some, and hit some guys. Uh, I love the touchdown pass to Fairweather. I uh, love some of the other throws that he made, but there are still some inconsistencies there that you really don't want to see from both the wide receivers and the quarterback. But overall, you know, a very solid performance. You, you get the big win, uh, and you get ready to move on to the next game. Yeah, the – Auburn pretty much did just take care of business. They they did what you wanted them to do in a game like this. Um, Tom brought up the point of the running game kind of struggled uh, outside of those two big runs, and that's true. 
Uh, Vanderbilt adjusted to what Auburn was doing. They, they, I mean, they loaded the box, right? They played the run a little bit heavier, um, and Auburn did not adjust back, but by that time they had a pretty significant lead. Um, the pick six might be the worst football play I've ever seen. Uh, it was it was just awful. It was just bad because, the, I mean, the, the guy was not hiding himself. Fairweather was not open, and Thorne just kind of threw it to him. Also, had some bad luck. Vanderbilt wearing black. It it hap- The play happened in the shadow. Could he see? Was the sun with his eyes? Blah, blah, blah. Also, the fact, I think, looking at the play again, you're lined up on the left hash, and this is a little check down into the flat. I don't know if Fairweather wandered too far out, if he was supposed to get upfield at some point. Um, just not a fan of the way that play was either designed or executed. Depends on if Fairweather did what he was supposed to or if he freelanced a little bit. But either way, um, not entirely on Peyton Thorne, but still really bad. The good thing about that is that after that play, Thorne did not go into a shell. Auburn yeah. did not go into a shell. They continued to throw the ball, and they had success passing the ball. And uh, Wide receivers or receivers in general had either five or seven drops, depends on what statistic or what metric you're using, I guess. But uh, even with some of those drops, I think the receivers had a pretty decent day. You had some explosive passing plays. You tried some stuff in the passing game that was different, and it worked even if it didn't connect every single time. You got guys open. Thorne delivered some catchable balls. He missed a couple of throws, the receivers dropped some, but and you still ended up getting a very explosive passing play to Rivaldo Fairweather that ended up extending the lead and, and almost uh, put you into, into cruise control, and you eventually did with the pass from uh, J- Jeremiah Cobb, or the pass to Jeremiah Cobb to make it 31-7. to um, Overall, it was not perfect. You did not execute perfectly, but it still ended up being a comfortable win, and that's what should happen when Auburn plays Vanderbilt. And even though things were not perfect from start to finish. You still got a pretty comfortable win. Um, and at the end of the day, that's really all you're looking for. Yeah, I think that it still showed uh, progress in this team from what they were early in the year. Obviously, you'd love to play Vanderbilt multiple times and then figure right. out what you would have looked like in Game 3 against Vandy compared to now. But I still have the inkling that, based on how it looked against Cal, knowing how much more Auburn could have gotten out of this game. This this felt like almost the worst-case scenario for what actually happened on the field. You know, Maybe you could have said Vanderbilt should have picked off that pass in the end zone, and they should have. But, okay, you also had a touchdown called back in that sequence. So yeah. I think I tweeted out, well, it averaged out to about three points, and that's what Auburn got in the drive. Uh, and then you also had the situation where Mari Kelly drops a, what's going to be a 50- to 60-yard touchdown play. That play was available to them. They could have had, I know it wouldn't have mattered in the course of play, but they did have another run uh, that went for a touchdown at the end that was called back for a legitimate hold. Uh, so they had more out there to take. It was not like this was the best version of themselves to eke out a two-possession win. So I felt better about that side of it because, again, I felt like they kind of got, you know, earlier this year with how bad it looked at times. Like it felt like the best version uh, of, of an outcome against Ole Miss was to lose by seven the way it felt at times. And 
to just eke it out against Cal. You know, maybe you say you take the fumbles away and that sort of thing, but still, it, it, they had to every bit of eke it out. You can't look at that game and said, "Oh, there was 17 more points on the table." This game felt like there were maybe two more possessions of points that Auburn could easily had, and then you go into the more minute stuff, but some of the more you know the five to seven yard drops that they have. I, you know, the, as Brant said, uh, I, I think I saw in stat broadcast it was five drops on Saturday, but then Hugh Freeze said seven today. And I mm. saw one of them, uh, uh, as of Saturday, they were not counting the Camden Brown play as a drop, which, again, that's another one. That was another deep ball where, okay, l- slightly underthrown. It was not A-plus throw like it was to Mari Kelly, but it was one of those situations where position was in favor of the wide receiver, in that case Camden Brown, and he jumped too early. He mistimed his jump. And so he was just kind of hanging there and starting to come down as he tried to catch it. That's still a poor wide receiver play at yeah. the end of the day. That's still a play that about 80 to 85% of receivers in the league are going to make. So, uh, again, that's why I think that overall Peyton Thorne had two awful plays, two men plays, and everything else was really good. Uh, and, and so I think that overall that's an improvement from what we've seen. It kind of shows you the cautionary tales. It doesn't justify everything. They still should have, under no circumstances, here been rotating two quarterbacks the way that they did and that sort of thing. But it does justify, in some instances, what we saw, in my opinion, last week, why they were cautious on the own end of the field because they then threw a pick in the exact situation they were trying to avoid. And then the second thing was you did see that, hey – there's problems on all ends. And so if you just find the confidence in Peyton Thorne, I think he's playing confident football now. It resulted in 194 yards because there's other problems. Right, This game could have been 300-plus yards if you just make two deep catches and then you, you weed out a couple more drops instead of five other drops. You have two or three other drops, which is not an unfair ask. Then you have a 300-plus a yard game on what's going to be 80 or 85 percent, and you have three or four touchdowns instead of two, and so that that's the reality. Is, is there are wide receiver issues too? Uh, <laughs> earlier in the year, it might have been more play calling based. Now it might be more execution based because they are starting to get open and they are calling different stuff. And now the the most simple thing for a wide receiver to come up with is the ball and the catch. And now that's eluding them at times. So it does show you the real ceilings that they felt they had and that they do have. But it showed that they progressed in other ways, mainly play calling, maybe game planning, and then certainly thorn execution uh, and, and that sort of thing. You know, the pass protection had a couple weak moments, but you know, it was not awful. It's also Vandy. You wouldn't expect it to be awful. If it was awful against Vandy, that would that would be a glaring problem. Uh, and, and they missed a couple of times, and that's where I said the couple of man plays just because Peyton maybe got his eyes down a little bit too quick and had to evade, but also he's got to evade. So, you know, it's it's a next-level play to be able to evade someone and get your eyes back up to find somebody. So, again, I don't count that as just awful stuff. I think that's, that's fair from time to time. But all in all, uh, I thought, again – you saw the passing game and, and you saw that something's there, but there are some real limitations if you're going to catch the football like that. And I, I think we've seen that clearly the game planning has been better the last couple of weeks and they've, they've taken advantage of teams that are either slightly less or significantly less talented than them and started to show, okay, Mississippi state felt like, again, I, I didn't frame it this way last week, but, 
you could have said that maybe you felt Auburn could have won by even more than 14. Yes, there's a scenario they could have given up that touchdown on the end and only won by seven, but maybe they there was a way they could have won by more than what they did. This week is certainly another one like that where you say, okay, it equaled 16 on the scoreboard, but Auburn could have ended up winning anywhere 24 or 30 points in that game, uh, and and that's not even taking the pick six out of it. That's leaving the pick six out of it. So uh, I, I thought overall, again, a lot of improvements there. Uh, running game, let's talk about that before we go to break real quick. So, again, as you guys mentioned, I'm always wishy-washy on this. I'll just be forthcoming. I, I don't I don't always I, – I can sometimes use it to my advantage or disadvantage. You take the two big runs out of it, it's roughly about 110 yards for the rest of the rushing and the rest of the game. But you had the two huge touchdown runs. Alas, Auburn runs for 230. So your thoughts on the run game? Yeah, I, I think overall – um, after those two runs, I think it was about how Vanderbilt played it more than anything else. I think that um, Auburn did not block as well after that. It's kind of weird. Auburn, Auburn's offensive line either executes perfectly or they get blown up. It's the weirdest thing. There is no just, hey, decent play where you got something, a linebacker stepped up and hit him after a gain of four. You know, There is none of that really with Auburn's running game. It's either getting blown up at the line of scrimmage or it's a 50-yard touchdown. Uh, it's very boomer bust right now. And on those two plays, Vanderbilt did have a light box. Auburn just ran inside zone. It's a very simple play. Nothing crazy as far as play calling. They just executed it well. And Jarquez West Hunter is very fast. Um, after that, they went back to it a couple of times. Vanderbilt did play it a little bit differently, but also Auburn didn't block it up as well. And it I didn't notice it. And not to say it didn't happen. I wasn't really looking for it, but I did not notice as much offensive line rotation in this game. So I, won, I so I don't think that was a part of it where you brought in different offensive linemen to do different things. Uh, it, it's really weird, and I don't know how to explain it, the, the boomer bustness of Auburn's running game right now. But yeah. it's, it's definitely an issue um, as, you, as you get to play defenses that are better than Bandy's. The, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's boomer bust. I, I'll say this. Part of that bust in the run game, I think it's what led to the uh, the uh, pick six that happened because yeah I get it you're backed up on your goal line you got to be careful with what you're doing but you you run it up the middle on first down you pretty much get stuffed then you run it up the middle again on second down and you get stuffed and so now you're third and way behind the sticks from right in your own goal line and so now you're in a very even more precarious situation it's like they just could not seem to get those you know i when i say chunk uh you know chunk plays you know eight yard run drive starters sure. i'd yeah. say drive starters five yeah. six seven yards yeah, it's neutral sure. you know, but it's something yeah um you know to see the offensive line get some sort of a push forward instead of getting pushed back and you know the running back gets the ball in his hands and he's looking for something and it's like there's just nothing there you just the offensive line's got to block better than that, and especially against a team like Vanderbilt, where they are just simply better than the guys ahead in front of them. You have to be able to block better than that. Uh, but I also think that the coaching staff needs to be able to scheme that running game a little bit better than that, especially when you know that they're coming up and they're stacking the box like that. And again, when you're backed up onto your own end zone like that, and you see that they're stacking the box, why are you running directly into the teeth of that? I get it on first down. Let's get off the goal line and see if we can get a push and maybe give ourselves at least a little bit of breathing room. But you didn't. You you still got stuffed. 
second down, I think you might want to try to do something different. You know, scheme something different. Get to an edge, do You know, maybe on second down is when you want to, you know, throw a quick slant or, or something different. But now you run it right into the teeth of the defense again, stuffed. And now on third down, now you're just trying to make do with something, and now you're still backed up to your own end zone. And then you make a bad decision. Uh I, and I don't know. I don't under. I I'm assuming. I guess it's mainly the offensive line that is just not getting it done and opening up those gaps. You know, you've got good running backs. You know, Jarquez is good. Um, he's very good at breaking tackles, but he's not very good at breaking three guys that are tackling him at one time. Few are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah very few are. It's it's, it's rare yeah. to find a guy with that ability. Right. So I. You know, it, it's got to be schemed better. Um, I think it needs to be schemed better and planned out better, but then it's got to be executed. I mean, you can have the be- best laid plan in the world, but if you don't execute it, if the offensive line is just getting their butts kicked and not executing, then it doesn't matter. So, well, and, and I would say, again, you know, look, three games left. I will say that I think Auburn's gotten a little, little better offensive line play than maybe I thought they'd get this year it's Um, better than the last couple of years yes like for darn sure it's better it's certainly it's certainly not something that's going to be enough if you're trying to get the aspirations of 10 win teams and and that sort of thing but i do think it has progressed and i think that it's given them a chance Uh, again it's improved pass blocking wise it's been enough run blocking wise uh again we this is where I said, you know, you go. It's it's either way of the fence. You could say take the hundred and twenty out in two plays, or keep it in. You keep it in. You got two thirty on the ground. So again, it, you achieved some balance there, and what you were trying to do from a yardage perspective. And and yes, there's still the obvious run situations. They're not doing it well, and that and that is something where if you're trying to figure out how to upset Alabama in the Iron Bowl, and you got third and two, you got to get it. And, and like that's going to be a down if they have that in the Iron Bowl, that will make or break them. And to my to my belief right now, they're not going to be able to simply just run and, and think they're going to get that uh, in the Iron Bowl. So that's that's the problem. That's the why we're talking about it right now. But you know, you have one of those that was so well blocked. The first sixty yard run, Jarquez didn't get touched. I didn't yeah. think, and the second one, he made a, a a broken tackle about ten to fifteen yards in it, that then sprung it for the rest of it. So it has been good to see Jarquez Hunter get going here the last couple of weeks, the Mississippi schools, and then here against Vanderbilt in Nashville this past week weekend we're going to take our first time out of the show when we come back we'll go to the orthopedic clinic phone line for the first time today you're listening to the monday edition of sports call on tiger 95.9 Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Or if you listen after the fact 
on the Sports Call Podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Donfrey, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday afternoon. And let's go to the orthopedic clinic phone line for the first time today. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up today, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt is with us. Matt, how are you this afternoon? War Eagle! War Eagle. I'd say you're doing pretty well. Yeah, I'm kind of wild. I've been having like two Mountain Dews. <laughs> Heck yeah. Yeah, and some fries. Hi, Tom. What's up, bud? Hey, Cam. Cam's not in here today. It's uh, Brant, Tom, and myself, Ryan. What's up, Brant? Hey, Matt. How you doing, man? Fine. Hey, did you guys, did you guys hear about the Texas uh, Ole Miss game and the guy who got ejected for punching a play on the groin? I did see that. Yeah, I, I was watching that live. And, uh, I do you can get ejected for that. For, for throwing a punch, you can. Doesn't, doesn't matter where it lands, but you can absolutely be ejected for throwing a punch, and I think it's a good thing. So, hey, so, like, I'm glad, I'm glad we got that win. And uh, this question is for all, all three of you guys, but I'll start with you first, Ryan. Do you guys think we can stop uh, Jeffries in the, uh, in the game this week? Yeah, K.J. Jefferson of, of Arkansas. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's going to be difficult to stop now that they've changed their offense. Arkansas is going to be a completely different team than what we've seen first seven or eight games of the year they, they looked far different in Gainesville uh and, and they're not the typical three to six three and six team and I know we say that from time to time about various teams but when you have that much different of a performance last week then uh then you pose different problems than the normal team so I, I think Auburn can stop them because Auburn's defense is really good and it has been excellent in the red zone still first in the SEC in red zone defense but yeah KJ Jefferson will present a problem I don't know about their best wide receiver. I know that their running back is Rocket Sanders. That kid's been really good for this is his third year in a row of being a problem in the SEC. And like Ryan just said, their offense is going to be really different. So you're going to have to work really hard to stop those guys. I think Auburn can do it. Their defense has been good this year. Um, but Arkansas... It looked like a completely different team last uh, on Saturday on in Gainesville. So yeah. this this is a this is going to be a tough matchup for sure. And, and the fact that it's in Fayetteville uh, does give me just give me pause. Hey, uh, so another question for you, uh, Ryan and Brent. You guys probably seeing like uh, Robbie Iceberg still staying with Auburn, and do you probably see him like? Maybe move to wide receiver or transfer, or do you guys say, like, say, like, second and goal or guarding goal? I think that Robbie Ashford still has a – I still think that Robbie Ashford has a role with this team for this year. I think it will be red zone stuff or short yardage stuff. I don't know how often they'll go to it. Um, Very clearly, Peyton Thorne is the QB1 for this team now, and, and I think he's earned that spot. Uh, over the, the way with the way he's played over the last two games, I think they wanted him to be that guy, and he stepped up when they desperately needed him to. So I think Peyton Thorne is your QB one now. After this year, um, I have no idea what Robbie Ashford does. I think he is a good enough player to play quarterback for somebody. I don't think he's good enough to do it at the SEC level, um, but he. I think he's definitely a good enough athlete to move to wide receiver if that's what they want to do with him. But uh, it'll all depend on what Robbie wants to do and what the staff wants to do. 
hey, this question is for all three of you guys, and then I don't know if I do trivia or not, but do you guys probably see Robbie Ashford playing baseball for Auburn probably? Uh, I don't think I'd see him playing baseball at this point. I think that uh, you know that could be something if he went somewhere else and you know they decided he, he wanted to be a two sport athlete, then uh, he might be something. He might be something he's interested in. But he's clearly chosen football up to this point, and so I think if he were to stay at Auburn, I think it'd be football. Hey, listen. Hey, I gotta give LSU credit. They played good against Alabama. LSU almost won it. I thought Missouri was gonna win. And, but what do you guys think about the game this week for uh, Georgia? Yeah, Georgia hosting Ole Miss in Athens this week. I think it's a huge game. I just, it's in Athens and and home matters. Uh, I think that it would be very, very fascinating if it were in Oxford with Ole Miss's offense. But uh, I, I just think Georgia's defense is so fundamentally sound, it's hard to rattle them. If Ole Miss can get going early, maybe they can get some tempo and confuse yeah. Georgia for a time, but then it's up to Ole Miss's defense to, to hang in there, and, and they're usually not as physical as some of the other defenses in the league. I thought that they'd done a better job this year, but they did not do a good job last Saturday against Texas A&M. I mean, that was a game yeah. for all 60 minutes. So I, I think it's just going to be tough for Ole Miss. Well, hey, I'm not going to be able to do the chair or do the trivia, but I will do the trivia and the chair next Monday. And um, I won't call you guys when I go to Florida uh, on the, uh, the 21st and uh, the, the 27th. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll talk to you guys next Monday. And Tom, bring your girlfriend next time. If she's listening, tell us that we're going to go. We'll do it. And you guys, don't get, don't forget to get JJ, Devon Reed, and Bo on and on and on 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 the uh, show sometime. Yes, sir. We're gonna try. All right, War Eagle guys. War Eagle Matt. Hope you have, hope you have a great day. Hey, if Sean, if Sean calls soon, he's still fired. Oh, we will absolutely do that. We will do. War Eagle, that is Matt from Tallahassee. Matt for Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We're going to go ahead and head to our next timeout. Matt with more sports call right after this. Have your attention, please. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is what? My name is what? My name is Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger Donathan and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday edition of the program. Of course, recapping all things Auburn after the 31-15 victory against Vanderbilt. And of course, we want to hear from you, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line. Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? 
Much better, guys. I did less drinking uh, over, over the weekend. Excellent. So thanks, for, thanks for asking. And uh, good to uh, hear your comments, too, uh, Tom and uh, Brent. Let's get to it real quickly, guys. On this date, if this hadn't happened, guys, uh, Jeff, I hope you're listening because this is really useless uh, information, but it's sports-related. On this day, guys, if this hadn't happened, we wouldn't probably have any football to speak of. And it happened in uh, 1866, by the way. Okay. Yeah, you'll have to tell Guys, us. Have any thoughts? Uh, did they get rid of the – was that when they got rid of the flying wedge or whatever they called no, it? No, I'm sorry. This <laughs> happened in 1869. 1869. Yeah, I had no idea. Rutgers beats Princeton 6-4 to four in the first college football game ever. Okay. Uh, and all these years later, and Iowa only scores a couple more points than that. Yeah. Now, interesting, guys, the game is played with a soccer ball. Oh, that's okay. In of, yeah, in front of roughly 100 fans. I'm reading this from uh, History Channel. Here's the, really the kicker was this. That, that score is 6-4. to four. Each score was deemed to be a separate game. Interesting. Okay. So yeah. if you didn't know it then, now you, you know do. Now. Okay, so I thought, wow, that was interesting. So each score was considered to be a uh, entirely different game. Yeah, All play right. the next now, possession. Yeah. About our game, guys, Saturday, uh, and I agree with you, Brent. It to me, it was remarkable. You know, I said, well, here we go again. It's either boom or bust. Uh, it was getting, it was inconsistent. At times, I felt like I was watching uh, the football version of the Brad News Bears. Uh, I would be so damn good sometimes, and then just look like. Uh, we didn't know those Keystone cops at times. What, what are we going to do, guys? Just keep running through the middle? It wasn't working. Yeah, I mean, obviously with the with the run part of it, I mean, they they did not have much much success after those uh, two huge ones. But I think the two huge ones, to a degree, justifies some more attempts at it. I mean, uh, you get 120 yards in two plays. That's just, you don't just throw it away because it then gets stopped once or twice. I think that... Uh, obviously, they have struggled again continually in, in some short yardage situations, and that's probably the next step in the game planning and the evolution of the run game play calling is just to figure out uh, a creative wrinkle to what they've done. Maybe a little bit more outside running. They did do some off tackle, and that, to be honest, it wasn't great either. Uh, I mean, so again, they they do have lapses. It, obviously, uh, I could go revert back to if they were. They could find a way to be that consistent, then they'd be the best rush attack in the country, and then they'd win all the games and be awesome all the time. But alas, they they have to figure out some things there and and, and battle for more consistency. All right, and guys, even though it was Vanderbilt, you know, uh, I'd say this to, to if I could say to Tamara Kelly and the rest of the guys, catch the dang ball, just catch it. I saw unbelievable catches being made by other. Uh, we're receivers in other games, guys. I said, why don't we have these kind of receivers, you know? And, and I'm saying this because this is not the first or second or third game of the season. By now, I would have expected. Tell me if my expectations are unrealistic. But by now, I thought execution should be an afterthought. Well, I mean, you can only do so much. Average to below average receivers are not all of a sudden going to become great receivers in the middle of a season. And I think that... Well, what do you practice during practice week? Catching the ball, obviously they want to catch the ball, and obviously they practice it. But again, some guys are not going to be perfect with it, and drops suck. And the, but there's no foolproof way. Like you do this drill, and they'll never drop a pass. Now, I mean, like it's not, 
it doesn't work that way. So obviously the drops drops were frustrating. The good news is Auburn still had uh, no problem with the game in itself and, and made plenty of other plays. But yeah, obviously the drop drops were frustrating. There's too many of them. But again, that's the product of a receiver room that's just okay. That, that that's not going to be one of the higher rated receiver rooms in the country nor in the conference. So you're saying we can't really probably expect much improvement. Um, for the last remaining three games? I think it's a moving target. I think that one guy will have a drop one game, and then the next game he'll be fine, and then, and then someone else will have a drop. And I, I don't think you'll see seven every game because that's a lot. And, and 27 pass attempts, that's dropping 25% of the pass attempts if you want to look at it that way. That's not really a, uh, a great number to read aloud. So I don't think it'll necessarily be that bad all the time. I think the one that Amari Kelly dropped is, is by far the worst. It's not like it's a high-velocity ball. He's wide open and running. Got to catch that one. There's a couple others that Fairweather had you, a very you, easy you, drop. Yeah, yeah, Fairweather usually is not a drop guy. He had two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, again, it's a moving target. Some guys will be fine the rest of the season, and then somebody that didn't have a drop on Saturday will have one uh, next week or the week after. So uh, I think again, that's just the product of unfortunately we we thought that it could end up being a pretty decent receiver room, and it, it's still an average to below average wide receiver room. It just is. Yep. Uh, and to me, the most pleasant uh, improvement has been our defense. Because, uh, uh, you know, there was times there were some threats, you know, um, by, by Vanderbilt to have made that game closer. And thankfully, we stopped them on their fourth down attempts. And then these penalties, guys, you know, we do this kind of crap against Arkansas and Alabama, and it's over with. Holding penalties, holding penalties. You know, uh, what was, was it, wasn't there a clip? No, there was a uh, yeah, block below block the waist. Block yeah. below the waist. waist. I know they've got to be taught not to do that. Which is yeah, that's exactly it. that's a that's a bad. Penalty. Yeah, Freeze was talking in the press conference. Sorry to cut you off, Tom. Freeze was talking in the press conference about those, and he he kind of sheepishly said, "Yeah, we don't even practice that," and I guarantee you, we didn't tell someone to block like that. So. Yeah. Uh, you know the whole. I mean, he agreed that and the holding were legit penalties, a hundred percent. But uh, the, at least for the block below the waist, that's not how they. That's not how they teach it. The the uh, the block below the waist type thing. That's the type of penalties that. Uh, I mean, you want to try to get rid of all of them, but that one right there is that's a silly penalty that is very unavoidable. A lot of times, holding penalties get called, and you know obviously there's ways that you want to have your hands positioned but sometimes if you you know the guy gets beat your hands get in the wrong position i mean they sit they like they say you could almost call it holding on every single play in football there are some that are a little more obvious than others and it has to do you know, a lot of times you just get beat and your hand gets in the wrong position and you end up with a hold those happen but you know something like blocking below the waist that that is an avoidable penalty because that is a choice that you decided to do something wrong and got yourself penalized for it all right guys quickly because uh, i said no no this cannot it, does this only happen to auburn the muffed overturn that was doomed that was uh, uh, deemed by the officials to then interference on that part and yet i saw our player move away to the side when the guy uh muffed the, the pub return Guys, was that the correct call? Because I sure did. No, think it was, was. That was an awful, yeah, awful, was, awful call. Yeah. That that. Uh, yep. I, I like what the announcer said uh, about that. Um, when it comes to the officials, you cannot penalize what you think is going to happen. You have to penalize what happens. Just because you think that it looks like he is about to run into the re- into the returner, 
does not mean you throw the flag. And that's what it seems like they did is they thought that he was going to hit him and they reacted to it. When in reality, he backed up and never even really touched the guy at all. And now there's no halo rule anymore. So exactly. he was perfectly, perfectly fine with what he did. And it felt like that they threw the flag because they thought that he was going to hit him and they got the flag and threw it. And it was just that's a bad call. Just a terrible, terrible call on that one. Yeah, in the post game, I didn't. I missed the second one. I didn't see it. I heard it was the second bad punt. Too. Yeah, I'll get to that oh, second. The, the, we had it three was or not, four offers. Yeah. People, nobody could get to it. In the post game press conference, uh, Freeze was asked about it, and he said that the explanation he was given is that uh, the returner didn't get a yard of space, which to me sounds like that they tried to uh, enforce the old rule. In the rule books? No, that's no longer. Yeah, in the, it used to be. It the used rule. to be yeah. the rule. So they it tried is no to longer. enforce the the old rule. Yeah, there's there. no halo rule. Yeah. So no, the yard thing it was not applicable. Yes, it? no, it, it's yeah, got to be contact or clear impeding of the opportunity to catch. That's the definition. All right, another referee call, guys. I'm watching, of course, the game. LSU. Uh, Dallas Turner, right? Roughing the passer, and I thought that was a brutal takedown. Uh, but no review of targeting. Did you think? Targeting should or should not have been looked at. That was targeting. Yeah, that, that was targeting. That was, was targeting. They yeah. should have at least forcible rev- launch. They didn't the even. Yeah. They didn't even review it. Um, I, yeah. I, now listen. I, I'll say this. I'm old school football. It's like you know that that's a tackle. I don't like the forcible contact to the face, Nick. I, you know, I get it. But I mean, it was a, it was just a hard as hell hit in, in football. But by the rules. I think that should have been at least looked at for targeting, and they didn't even look at it. I don't understand yeah. why they didn't. And the coaches can't can't request a review. I mean, they can beg for it, but I mean, there's no formal. They can't just there's challenge no. it or anything like that. Okay, all right. Uh, moving on, guys. Uh, it looks like the Grinch has stolen USC's <laughs> hope for uh, any kind of chance for a championship this year, right? Yes, mm-hmm. uh, that defense. Yep. They finally fired him. I was wondering, well, how many damn points is uh, the other opponent going to be uh, continuing to score before you finally decide this ain't working with our defensive coordinator, right? Yeah, apparently half a hundred. That was uh, that was the magic number. That that was uh, a very much needed firing there. Oh my gosh. Okay, and move on real quickly to our basketball game, guys. Uh, with Baylor, uh, I think I saw that Baylor's only like a one or one half point favorite. Maybe I'm wrong with that. Have you seen the line? Uh, I'll double check it right now. It is two and a half, and what I've two got in front of me. Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, my son says we'll get taken to the woodshed because uh, he says Baylor's got a lot of great players. Uh, what are you? What's your guys' thoughts on that? I, I think Baylor will win. Uh, we will definitely preview that game tomorrow. Uh, I don't think Auburn will get blown out, but could they lose by ten to twelve? Yes. I don't consider ten to twelve blowout. The the way that happens, some might if it's twenty and you cut it to ten late. I think Auburn will just kind of be down about eight or nine at half, and it'll be, again, about eight to 12 or so, about the, the majority of the second half. So I do not expect Auburn to win. I will tell you that we did hear from Bruce Pearl today, Janai Broom and Aiden Hallway are expected to play tomorrow. Right. Yep. Hope they're 100%. Uh, what do you make of Baylor denying Auburn's request to share game film? I mean, it, obviously it perturbed Bruce a little bit, uh, but – you know, it's whatever. I mean, that. I mean, if that happens, then Auburn doesn't send film to Baylor, so it's not like they got an advantage, uh, uh, advantage there. Okay, I just wondered what, what was the deal. And of course, uh, wasn't it Baylor a few years back that uh, I remember there was some controversy 
went behind backs or anyway, uh, stole Davion Mitchell from us. Yeah, again, I don't remember the 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 optics of all that and that sort of thing. Yes, that's where obviously where Davion Mitchell transferred. I, I don't remember every detail of, about that situation, and and it wouldn't shock me because some of that does go on, but I I don't I don't remember every specific there. Okay, and finally from Nathan King, guys, he says uh, from some sources that he's uh, I guess talked with that it looks like Holden Gurner is going to be QB two. You know, there was an interesting quote that Hugh Freeze had today, and he singled out uh, Holden Gurner as having an excellent week of practice last right. week. So, uh, that that reading those tea leaves, that that could very much be the case. Okay, that's all I've got, guys. I thank you for your time as always. My time is way up. Um, the game tomorrow night for basketball is uh, seven o'clock our time or eight o'clock our time. Eight o'clock central. Eight o'clock central. Okay, okay. Have a safe afternoon, even guys, and we'll. Uh, this again tomorrow. Until then, War Eagle. War Eagle, Steve. Appreciate that phone call. That is Retire Word AM Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are out of time for hour number one. Still ahead, a lot more to talk about from Auburn and Vanderbilt in hour number two. As promised, we'll get into a little college basketball as the season is starting today. We've actually got an SEC team on our screen right now in the studio. We'll also talk about some of the big things that happened in college football this past weekend. And, of course, towards the end of the show, a best and worst of the weekend. Stay tuned. A lot more ahead here on this Monday edition of Sports Call. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brant Dontry with you here on this Monday edition of the program. Of course, recapping everything from this past weekend of college football. With that, let's go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, tiger 9 Next up on the program, Luke from Alex City. Luke is with us. Luke, how are you this afternoon? Good, guys. How are y'all? Doing well. Great. Uh, Yeah, I wanted to talk about the Dallas Turner thing for a second, but, but the one thing I really hate about it is it's overshadowed two incredible performances. Uh, those two quarterbacks really put on the show. Jaden Daniels, and, and I hope he's okay. Uh, he didn't look very good. I thought it was the, – the bigger story is Brian Kelly put him back out there. Um, frankly, that was scary. But um, Jaden Daniels was 
just uh, sublime. I mean, he was a lot of fun to watch. And, of course, Jalen Milrow finally making use of his legs. Um, I don't know if that was necessarily by design or if they've been saving that, but it certainly made a difference in his performance where he had the either the confidence or the green light or just finally decided, hey, this is what I do best. I, I don't know. But I thought he was uh, fantastic, and it, it was really fun to watch those two go head-to-head. And the, the statistics between the two for most of the game was just uncanny. The fact that they were uh, going uh, back and forth like that and, and really almost mirrored one another. But when it comes to the hit, look, I do not think it was targeting. I understand it was called roughing the passer, which, again, I I'm not a big fan of either because, you know, football is a violent sport, but I get it in today's climate. That's what, that's what they're going to do. What I don't understand is all the righteous indignation about it where, look, even if you call this targeting, okay, that's fine. I, I, I don't agree, but I get it, okay. Um, what changes? Practically nothing. I mean, Jaden Daniels still isn't coming back in. There's no doubt about that, or at least he shouldn't. Uh, Dallas Turner is suspended the rest of the game and the first of the Kentucky game, which is stupid, and I'll talk about that in a second. But um, the, that you only get 15 yards because they still called rough in the past. You're not going to get 30 yards in buildings. You're only going to get 15 yards, period. Um, and you still got Garrett Nesmeyer out there now trying to direct the offense, and that's not going to work out very well. We saw that. And LSU's defense is still pretty porous. They weren't going to stop Alabama. So it didn't change really anything. So if the argument is, okay, just I feel like that was targeting, so be it. We can agree to disagree. But the penalty yard, they still got the penalty uh, because it was called roughing the passer. So, um, But going back to my take on targeting in general, I don't think we make enough about how dumb it is that if you get a targeting in the second half, you miss the first half of the next game. Whereas Shamar Turner can give an uppercut to the groin of a player, and yeah, he's out for that game, but he's not suspended for the next game. I would argue that that was definitely more intentional and practically just as dangerous. I mean, I just don't think uh, I don't think we thought this through. I understand why they tried to do that because they want to change the you know the fundamental nature of tackling, and they want people to understand. Okay, we want, don't want you to make forcible contact to the head. I understand that. Um, however, the, the whole thought of penalizing somebody for the next game on something they did for this game that was an in-game unintentional penalty, I think is really, really silly. Yeah, no, uh, I, I, I agree with that I agree 100%. 100% and, I agree with that. And, and look, if you've ever heard me talk about targeting, and certainly we can go back and forth on the, on 15 yards and, and the, the helmet-to-helmet stuff being penalties and not being penalties, but I have never supported it, and uh, I, I don't think I, at this point, I mean, this is several years of this, and I've still not come around at all. I've never supported the thrown-out part of it, period. And, and so that goes, obviously, to certainly the next game, but even that game, I feel that it should be, if you want to call it unsportsmanlike, where you get two of them and then you are thrown out, fine, but I'm not sure why a college kid has to tackle better than a pro player. If a pro player commits that penalty over the middle of the field or on a quarterback, that sort of thing. They're not thrown out. It's a 15-yard penalty, but they're not thrown out. So it's never made sense to me that the college player has to tackle more effectively than the the professional player. So, no, I'm uh, I'm wholeheartedly on board of any uh, and all refraining from suspension of next half and that half and any half. And I'm going to jump in also. 
I, I have been adamant, adamant, adamant that I do not like the, the way the targeting is done. I think, you know, and, and let's just use the case of this, for example, like you were saying that you got the roughing the you got the roughing the passer. That's 15 yards. I think if you want to punish along with that, then you do add another 15 yards. That's a way to punish that. It's roughing the passer with targeting. Therefore, it's a 15-yard penalty for the roughing and a 15-yard penalty for the targeting aspect of it. But you don't kick the player out of the game. You ultimately end up with a 30-yard penalty. But I don't think you you don't kick the player out. You don't kick him out for the, the next game or anything. I think that is dumb because there's so many of these targeting penalties that get called where it's just a football play. They're not headhunting. They're not doing anything. They're literally making a tackle, and things happen. The guy goes low. You go low. You hit him in the head, and all of a sudden you're out for the rest of the game. It's dumb. It's it's one of the dumbest rules in sports, honestly. You know, and um, I think it was – I can't remember exactly what year, and I think it was T.D. Moultrie that hit a Mississippi State player, sort of face mask to face mask, going up for a pass. There wasn't really a lot of forcible contact. It was just sort of a, hey, I'm trying to block this pass. And, um, yeah, their face masks did touch. And I believe he was called for targeting then. And it's, it's just too much. It's too much. And then if you want to just take, for instance, this LSU game, later on in the game, I believe it was, um, oh, shoot, uh, Major Burns, the defensive back for LSU. Uh, Jalen Milrow was coming right at him. And you can clearly see. I mean, this has been all over the uh, Al-, Al Gore's internet. He ducks his head, just waiting on him. Now Milrow trucked him. Yeah. But the po- the point is, I thought you weren't supposed to duck your head. I thought that was a- so. My point is that you, if you, if we don't really know what it is, I think it's very difficult for anybody to ever say this is clearly targeting or this is clearly not targeting. And if it's very difficult to say that, I think it should be an incredible extenuating circumstance that you ever call it. I would rather not call I would rather call it a lot less than call it more at this point because the consequences are so dire. Yeah. Um yeah, and talking about egregious ones, one that one that jumps out with me with the Auburn game was a couple of years ago when Auburn was playing at Penn State. And uh the Penn State guy is diving for the goal line and one of Auburn's best defensive players makes a tackle to stop him from diving to the end zone. And they called that for targeting. And, I mean, it's like, I don't know what else he's supposed to do in that situation other than let the guy no, no, dive to the end zone. And he got called for targeting and, and is out for the game. And it's like, I mean, the kid was making a tackle. That was it. And, I mean, I, you know, it's crazy. Well, last year, last year, Alabama, Tennessee, uh, I can't remember his name, but number 21 for Tennessee. I mean, in my, I mean, I remember watching the game with a bunch of people. It was actually my 50th birthday. And uh, the guy – goes helmet to helmet with uh, Bryce Young, and they start to review it. And I go, this is clearly targeting. So, yeah, they'll call it. And they said no targeting because some technicality. And I thought, okay, I just don't know what the rule is anymore. I don't think any of us do. And if that's the case, let's just call it less. I mean, unless it's egregious and um, unless you feel like there was intent to harm, um, something like that. But, again, that's even hard to digest. So, I don't know. I just feel like um, Dallas Turner is getting sort of a bad rap here. It was a football play. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately for Jaden Daniels, he got he got knocked out practically. And I hated it for him because I can respect a good player. And Jaden Daniels is a heck of a player, and I want him back on the field. I don't want him to be out any amount of time. I feel like he and Malik Neighbors and Terry on Arnold and uh, – 
Dallas Turner, they all made themselves a bunch of money in that game because they all played uh, fantastically. I, I thought it was a lot of fun to watch. It was a great day for college football, quite frankly. I mean, the Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game was great. Uh, the Florida-Arkansas game was great. Uh, then even you roll over into the pros, the Atlanta game, though I, I was hoping for Atlanta to win, uh, that was a lot of fun to watch. There was just a lot of great football uh, this weekend, and so you hate it whenever uh, the, the the talk is dominated more by you know what what call wasn't made or what call was made when frankly it wouldn't had any wouldn't have made any difference in the outcome. Yeah, no, I mean absolutely, as you said, I mean targeting or no targeting, fifteen yard, whatever. I mean it's still Jane Daniels out of the game, then there, there's LSU chances. So. Uh, and Alabama was was quite frankly not going to be stopped when they had the football uh, the way their offense was playing and LSU's defense. That was game playing. was yeah. lost. That game was lost for LSU on that interception. That, tip, that was the game. Yeah. The tip, yeah, the tip ball yeah. at the line of scrimmage. You got picked. One hundred percent. I when I when that play happened, I was like, up. Oh, that's it. That that's ball game because yeah. nobody was stopping it. It was that game was going to be who gets the first stop, and Alabama got that first. Big turnover, drove down, scored a touchdown. I was like, oh, that, this is over. And, yeah, that was it. All right, guys, I just had to chime in. I appreciate it. Yes, sir, appreciate the phone call, Luke. Absolutely. That is Luke from Alex City joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Again, if you want to give us a call today, 334-887-3401 locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Yeah, I, yeah Luke, Luke's hitting, hitting the nail on the head there in terms of the targeting. Right. I mean, look, you, we, we can have differing opinions on, on what that call should have been. But even still, I go back to every every Auburn player that has it happen to them or for them. Yeah. Uh, every It won't matter. And, and that's the Alabama player. Sure, if it gets called targeting, sure, I still would not have won him thrown out of the game because that's sure. not right. my belief on how that rule should operate. Right. And that play in particular, again, I <laughs> – me as a football purist, I see just a really hard, vicious tackle, which is football. When you really want to kind of look at it, when you, it does kind of look like, I, well, obviously he went at the the face and neck, which is roughing the passer. To me, it did kind of look like he dipped his head a little bit, and maybe so it's a. Mm, they should have at least reviewed it, and then if they determined that it was not, then that's okay. But they never even reviewed it, and I'm like, I don't know how you don't at least look at that now i'll repeat what i just said a little bit ago with luke i'm adamant that they've got to quit kicking the guys out of the game for that and like you said if you want to do two you know call it just like you yep. do with a personal foul yeah, it's called and, unsportsmanlike or sure. something and move, yeah. if, if if it happens twice then you're out um they also need to figure out how they need to do this it needs to be something very egregious because there are times that you see a play you're like and you watch it on TV or in person, you're like, oh, my gosh. You're yeah, like, what was he doing? There's a certain look to it right. where you, you kind of know. Yeah. But, for instance, that Auburn-Penn State game, the guy's diving to the pylon and Auburn's player makes a tackle, and they're saying that, you know, he hit, you know, he led with his head against a defenseless player. The guy's not defenseless. He's diving for the end zone. You've got to make a play right. right there. That's not targeting. In no way, shape, or form should that ever be targeting. Now, if you launch your the crown of your helmet at the head of a quarterback, which we have seen, that's targeting. That's fine. Still don't think you should be kicked out. Now, after the second one, yes. But roughing the passer is a 15-yard penalty. If you determine that that is also with targeting, tack another 15 yards onto it. 
you can't tell me that's unprecedented because if you get a personal foul penalty or there's a 15-yard penalty while the play is going on and you get a dead ball penalty yep. with that, you're tacking another 15 yards on. So you can do that. So if you want to punish it, punish the yardage. Don't kick the kid out of the, out of the game for making a play. If it's roughing the passer, it's 15-yard penalty. If it's, if it's targeting, that's another 15-yard penalty. If it's targeting without roughing or, you know, whatever, then it's just the 15-yard penalty. And then if it happens a second time, then, you know, maybe we start talking about that. But, you know, just kicking the guy out of the game like that for, for making a play, I, I, I hate it. I absolutely hate that rule. Yeah, I, I've I've gone on record multiple times saying that I think targeting is the dumbest rule in sports because of the way it's enforced. Um, kicking a kid out for an effort play is egregious and very, very dumb. Uh, I think that basketball's really got it figured out with the way they ha- handle flagrant ones and flagrant twos. You've got to do something like that with targeting because, like, it, no, you can't read a kid's mind, but you can tell when he's trying to go in and hurt somebody most of the time. Um, it... it it, it's pretty egregious. So I, if you want to make a difference between targeting one and two, fine. I still don't think a kid should be kicked out unless it's you know, like like we saw with Texas A&M over the weekend, throwing a punch of some kind. I think that that's pretty worthy of being thrown out of the yes. game. But yes. you know, you want to say uh, <laughs> you you want to say you can't get two personal fouls. I'm fine with that. Um, I'm very much of the opinion that Dallas Turner launched using the crown of his helmet, got under the chin of Jaden Daniels, mm-hmm. picked him up, and then slammed him into the ground. That is a penalty on multiple fronts. I, I'm of the opinion that that I don't know. It's I mean it's the uh, it's the Nick Fairley rule, right? It's it's what you can't pick. To me, guy. I were I thought Nick Fairley when I yeah, when I saw it's, that. yeah and that's that's, <laughs> I saw that's Nick Fairley do that about six. It times. was yeah. legal in 2010. Nick Fairley, Nick Ferry. What's his name? Nick Fairley <laughs> killed Aaron Murray with it, and then they made it a rule. So it's you can't do that anymore. And also, I thought he got the crown of his chin up under Daniels's helmet, which you know, it, also by rule by letter of the law, that's targeting. So it, I thought Dallas Turner should have been kicked out of that game, but I'm also not going to sit here and act like I'm not biased. So <laughs> uh, yes, I, I I don't know. Yes, Jaden Daniels still has a concussion and he's out of the game. Right. Or, well, we we think he has a concussion. And he's out of the game. Um, the reason that rule is in there to prevent things like that from happening, so that Jaden Daniels does not get knocked out of a game again, or so that a quarterback ten years in the ro- down the road is not scared of having his head bounced off the turf and he's blacked out and he can't see. And, you know, there's there's the reason the rule exists is to prevent stuff like that. I thought this was the kind of hit that the rule is in place to prevent, even though it's not super egregious. I didn't want the kid kicked out. I I don't want the kid kicked out of the game for trying to make that play, even though I do think that hit should have been penalized by the letter of the law. Sure, uh, sure. Yeah, no. Again, I certainly think there's a foul there, but but the the, the disqualification part's always again. I just can't pass. You guys are doing the the more football side of this. I just I go the light. I go the way too big picture. I go the macro picture of life. You're expecting a 19 or 20 year old to do something better than you expect the yeah. 29 and 30 year olds to do that. I'm sorry, unless it's partying, the 19 or 20 year old <laughs> is not going to, to should should be expected to tackle better than the pros. Uh, so I, you know, I I'm certainly flustered by the rule. I will tell you this too: it is becoming a bit of an epidemic in, in football where we're getting more and more penalties, particularly on quarterbacks and or on any type of hit that lean towards really. 
You call yeah. that? I yeah. mean, that, that's common more and more. That happened twice this weekend or this week in the NFL. It first happened Thursday night on a Kenny Pickett play where Tennessee sacked the guy just, I guess, an ounce too much of force on a sack and they 15 yard. And then it happened in the Patriot commander game yesterday. Mac Jones got sacked and I can't remember which commander sacked him, but did not drive him into the ground, like rolled kind of away from, but just kind of tackle him in midsection and, and pushed him down. And then as he goes to the ground, he get, gets off to the side. Uh-uh. They, they called it roughing the pass. You know, it was on a sack. And it's like, man, if you can't you can't hit him high, which is fair. You can't hit him in the kneecap, which is fair. But if you can't hit him in the waist, I don't know what's supposed to go on at that point. So the, the, the NFL has an epidemic with it right now. Uh, it's, NFL, it's atrocious in the NFL. Bad. Yeah, I mean, there are, there are some hits. It, it is unfortunate. And we've given it a few minutes here. We won't give it much longer. But it, there, is, there is a hit or two a weekend – in the NFL, that is just unbelievable uh, how it's how it's called a foul, and then there's about a, still a targeting or two per weekend in college where it's like, yeah, I just don't like that people get kicked out for that or or no call whatever. But there's there's I hate that there are controversies yeah. on. They're, they're, Stuff like that. They're, they're making flag football an Olympic sport, so maybe that's where we're going. Ahead <laughs> of that direction. Who knows? We're going to take our first time out of the 4 o'clock hour here. Again, if you want to give us a call, 334-887-3401 or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. When we come back, more football a little bit later, a little basketball for you. As, again, college basketball tipped off today. So talk to you about all that and more next. you want to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au we're done paying the bills now back to sports call on tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brandon Dontree, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday edition of the program. Gentlemen, we look outside and it's starting to get dark. Mm-hmm. So I, I usually use the word afternoon. Yeah. Doesn't really feel like it applies anymore as we've fallen back. So again, I, I get it. It means the seasons are changing, temperatures are cooling in theory. Yeah. But uh, I, I just, again, I don't like an hour and a half of darkness while the show's going on. I'm just, again, going to throw that out there. But having good conversations because we are in the middle of fall, which means we're in the middle of football. And we're about halfway through the NFL season now, but we're about three quarters of the way, maybe a little bit more through the college football season. Most teams completing their ninth game this past weekend, including the Auburn Tigers, who improved to five and four and starting to get towards a bowl game. Got New Mexico State coming up. Think for all the world that'll be a win, and that would get it to six, and that would be bowl eligibility. 
which was not the case last year. But this Arkansas game coming up this weekend, we're not going to talk too much about that game today. That's for later in the week. But that Arkansas game will have a lot to do with where Auburn might end up going uh, in terms of bowl game. The 6-6 six and six type of SEC team usually bore, uh, usually destined for the Birmingham Bowl or Shreveport for the Independence Bowl uh, and, <laughs> and stuff like that. I saw some bowl projections, though, now – into the Music City Bowl. Uh, someone saw, what did they see, in Auburn? and uh, Was that you, Brandt, or that was Brooks that was telling me bowl projections today? I, I, Brooks ha- Brooks pulled them up earlier okay. today, yeah. Because uh, for the longest time, they've been mocked for that second Tampa Bowl, like December 22nd. Gasparilla Bowl? Yeah, Gasparilla Bowl. Yeah, that's the, the number two one. Uh, and, and so now they're being mocked for the Music City Bowl, which, of course, Auburn's been to in the not-too-distant past. But, uh, again, that is a barometer for, okay, making sure you check the boxes of year one. So when you're looking at Auburn and Vandy from this past weekend and you think about their performances the last two weeks compared to earlier in the season, what what do you think is the most important thing that you've seen Auburn do better, whether it's real improvement or just minute improvement? What's the most important thing that Auburn's done well the last two weeks? Um... Personally, I think they they've switched up the passing scheme a little bit. Yeah, they, they've eh. they've started running more multi man routes, doing some more like air raid stuff. It's they're not running the air raid, obviously, but they're they're using some concepts. They're they're borrowing from that route tree a little bit to help these guys. We we've talked about it. Uh, I think it was after the Ole Miss game where I kind of blew up about it, where I was like you have wide receivers who have trouble getting open by themselves. This sport has been around long enough for other coaches to have dealt with that before and to come up with a solution. They've started using some of those solutions. The They ran uh, the two dropped touch, the two dropped deep balls. Both came on uh, post wheel concepts, which is you have one guy on the outside, he runs the post, and you have one guy on the inside, he, line, he runs the wheel, and one of them screws up the safety and gets open, and that's it, it worked twice. It worked both times, and they just couldn't execute. And then you had um, kind of a – I can't remember what the name of the concept is, but you have one <laughs> you have one guy – you have two guys lined up next to each other. They run the same distance for a little while, then one breaks inside, one breaks outside, and goes – and that's where they scored the Rivaldo Fairweather touchdown. But – they're starting to do more of these combination routes to help guys get open when they can't just get open with their footwork and their speed. And that, to me, has been the biggest difference. You're seeing these receivers more open than they have been because they're getting some help from the scheme. And Peyton Thorne, no, he's not perfect, but he's played a lot better, and he's played well enough to win. Um, Can you do that against Arkansas, a team that's better than Mississippi State and Vanderbilt? Remains to be seen, but I, I am a lot more confident in this game than I was two weeks ago. Would you agree, Tom? Most important thing to yeah, well, yeah, because I mean, right now the the running game is still boom or bust, like we've been talking about. You know, I have not seen, I have not seen that improvement in the running game to where they're getting those six yard, seven yard, eight yard type runs where it feels like you know you're you're a hair lash away from just busting one. It's like, oh hey, we just busted a huge run for a touchdown. Yes. Then all the other plays, it's like stuffed, 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 like. Ah. the passing seeing some expansion on the passing uh, is definitely uh a breath of fresh air uh it's something nice to see um uh, and just want to keep seeing that uh 
too. I mean, yeah, as far as improvement, because I think the defense has still been doing what they've been doing yeah, and, and playing really high level, uh, with the exception of a couple of drives here or there, and that's going to happen. Like I said, that first drive that Vanderbilt made, I, it scared me because I thought, well, here – the, like seem methodical, didn't seem overly difficult. Yeah. yeah, just I mean, straight down the field and just chunk play after chunk play, and just it, you know, you're just like, oh boy, you know this this is this is how we're gonna do this today. Um, but after that, they were fine. So, uh, but yeah, starting to open up that passing game a little bit and starting to see some different looks and some different things that are gonna confuse a defense. It was needed because I mean, what they had been doing was not confusing anybody. In fact, it felt like they were playing right into the hand of the defense instead of doing things to kind of get the defense out of sorts and trying to get those mismatches. Uh, you know, that's one thing that I never really saw a lot of. Um, you know, I think Rivaldo Fairweather can be a, a mismatch, big time mismatch. That kid's good. That kid's he really is good. Very good. If you can figure out a way, and, and he's a quote-unquote tight end, even though we knew he was going to be a wide receiver, that is a mismatch nightmare. If you get him where he's trying to, where you have a linebacker trying to cover him one, excuse me, trying to get a linebacker to cover him one on one, that that is a golden mismatch for you right there. And I never saw any schemes that felt like that they were trying to do that. If you can get him lined up like that, like the one that he had with the touchdown, even though I don't think there was a linebacker that came over on coverage on him, but still, if you can scheme some things like that to where you make those mismatches, it's there for the taking when you have an athlete of his caliber. So um, I've been impressed with the expansion of the passing game, but I need to see more even. I, I want to see more of it. Obviously, the running game is going to be what it is because I think there's still just some struggles on the offensive line. You hope you can get those big Jarquez runs, but you know they're few and far between, and so you're having to rely on a little bit of a more of an expansive and open passing game. So as long as they can keep uh, building on that, then I think Auburn should be fine. So absolutely, yes. The most important thing is what we see in the passing game. I thought somebody would say, "Hey, just one quarterback's played the whole game." Yeah, that's that, that, that's. <laughs> I think that's a big part of it. You're you're letting your quarterback <laughs> get into a rhythm. Get, yeah, you're letting him play football, and that's a, that's a big part of getting better is yeah. playing. The the confidence has certainly shown from him getting those opportunities to stay out there, getting the consistency, and finishing those drives. One number that's still not gone well for Auburn overall, and I, Tom, I bring this up because this was something that you brought up for a couple consecutive weeks. Third downs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, 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 love it when we're on the same uh, wavelength there. So, Auburn's defense, awesome. I mean, 2 yeah. of 14, yeah. incredible. Yeah. I think Vandy started like 0 oh, of 10. I, I, I don't think Vandy got any third down. So, that really long fourth quarter drive, that like nine-minute drive that did not result in points. I think they got a couple then and they got a fourth down. But Auburn's offense still just 4 of 15 on third down. And, again, I just think that stems from – the fact that they have not figured out to run when the other team knows it's coming. When it, right. when you achieve that balance, and they they ran a lot. I'll tell you one thing we've not talked about yet. They ran a lot more tempo against Vandy. Yeah. Yeah. They were obviously confident that when Van, if Vandy got the ball back, they weren't going to do a whole lot with it. They trust the defense. That gives you the confidence to start from the get-go because they did it from the very first moment. They got a seven or eight-yard run from Jarquez Hunter in the first play of the game for Auburn's offense. And then the second play was that 60-something yard run. Okay, well, that, that's tempo. And look, the seven or eight yards allows you to do it. But that's tempo from the word go on that and maybe that's why you had such perfect blocking because Vandy might have been misaligned for all we know. I don't know what Vandy was supposed to call there but I mean there was a big hole and Jarquez not touched 
you also had tempo on other drives and when you threw, when you ran. Uh, but still, for all the things that worked well early in sequences, 4-15 on third down. Got to figure out how to run in, in close areas. Yeah, I think the thing with the, the third down percentage, yes, the third down percentage is bad. You can't move the ball in short yardage. I'm also wondering how many of those came with – what was the average yard to go on those third down percentages? Because right now it feels like if Auburn goes backwards or does not get positive yardage on first or second – on first down, then the, the drive kind of feels over. If it's second down and 10, you know – can you get those 10 yards in those two plays like like a, a, an offense should? Right now it feels like Auburn can't. If, if they do not have a successful first down play, which is a gain of four yards or more, in my opinion, then it, it feels like nothing good is going to happen on that drive. Yeah, no, and, and maybe so. I would love to know, and I guess, although I wouldn't have loved because I love the result, if, if Jarquez got two yards on the very first play yeah. of the game instead of the seven or eight that he got. Yeah, uh, because I believe it was a 67-yard touchdown run after getting it from the 25. So I think they had an eight-yard run on first yeah, down. Yeah, Thorn, Thorn kept it on first down and ran for eight yeah. yards. If I remember so, right. so I would have loved to seen if that had been a one or two-yard play because a lot of times people initiate tempo with the result on first down. Yeah, it, that was something that Gus Malzahn liked to do. Is he liked to pull the trigger on those tempo plays? After getting the first first down of a drive, he wanted right. to get that. He wanted to get that second first and ten, and see what he could do with it. Hugh Freeze seems to say, "Okay, we've got a successful play. It's second down and three. It's second down and five, uh, and four. Let, let's go quickly here. See if we can get this easy first down. And now we're going to get it. so it's similar mindset there. Even though Freeze's trigger seems to be a little bit sooner than Malzahn's, but the same idea of let's let's do." Let's start at a normal pace, and if we get something good, okay, now let's go. Now let's pull the trigger on it. And I said at the beginning of the year, when Hugh Free, when I when I want to see tempo is not all the time. I don't it, it, tempo is a tool in your toolbox. Yes, you pull it out when you need it. Yep. And I think that right now Hugh Freeze is picking good times to say, okay, now let's go fast. Let, we've got him off balance. Let's go quickly. If tempo is affecting you more than it's affecting the other team. You're doing it wrong, and right now I feel like it's affecting the other team more. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one 9 to call in to the orthopedic clinic phone line. Next up, Matt from Phoenix City. Matt is with us. Matt, how are you this afternoon? Man, I'm great, guys. I'm great. How are you? Doing well. Hey, I also, uh, on the third down question, I would like to know what percentage of our third down conversions that have failed have come uh, on the back of a penalty, a holding penalty in particular? Um, it seems like, and, and maybe you know, maybe I'm just seeing one or two, but it seems like a lot of times what we're not able to overcome is you know we rip off a play, then it gets called back for holding, and and now we're second and twenty or we're second and 25, uh, and then we'll get a chunk back, but we're still looking at third and 15. Um, so I'm, I'm curious on that, and I'm also curious, I don't know if you guys know a whole lot more about Hugh Freeze's offense than I do. Um, it, it seems almost like an enigma at, at this point of, of what exactly he's trying to do and wanting to do, and, you know, I know – we're limited with 
personnel and learning concepts and all those kind of things. And obviously there's been improvement. Um, I, I hate to, to be so positive calling it improvement going out and, and, and beating Mississippi State and Vanderbilt, but um, I want to know where are where's the screen game to the strength of our team, which is our backs. Maybe, you know, it, it just seems like we're trying to get these huge plays downfield on, on third down. We're getting this pass rush that we can't handle. Peyton Thorne's getting rushed. He's throwing balls off his back foot or or he's, he's moving around too much. He can't ever keep his eyes downfield. I just wonder, you know, you look at, at Jarquez Hunter, Damari Austin, uh, Jeremiah Cobb, and even Brian Batiste. Those four guys I would put as probably, you know, at least three of my top offensive performers and three of my top offensive weapons. I just wonder why we're not seeing them more in a screen game. Um, I, I realize, you know, they, they, they made a big deal about the – the, the cross blitz on Saturday and staying in to pick that up and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But at some point, like, are we not going to see just an old-fashioned middle screen to to Damari Austin or Jeremiah Cobb, and let's see what happens? Sure. Uh, you know, look, I think that'd be fair to, to give a shot. I wonder if they are not in love with some of the blocking on the edge when it comes to wide receivers and that sort of thing. I saw one instance, and this is just one play, but uh, they, they ran that, uh, I think it was motion to the left, and then they pitched it out to Malcolm Johnson Jr. He lost five yards because I think it was Rivaldo Fairweather who just completely missed the block and let the guy go unimpeded in there. And look, when you do running back screens at the backfield, that's not as much on the wide receivers. That's more an offensive line. But uh, but I wonder if that that part of it is they don't like – they certainly maybe don't like the bubble stuff as much from out on the receivers blocking. Now, again, you could you could certainly make the argument they could still give it uh, a try with running backs. And I think they, 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 they certainly would welcome a couple tries at that. I mean, again, I don't really have much recollection of them doing – anything of that sort much this year uh and then as far as i will say one thing on the third downs i did go back through the third downs this week and although you know i have been talking about more so from other games their third and short and and, and short yard situation being able to run the ball the vast majority of these third downs were third and nine plus uh in fact the third and seven that they threw the pick six on was i think their second uh second shortest third down failure of the day. In, in other words, wow. they had the 11 of those third downs. 10 of the 11 were at least third and seven plus. So uh, the, only two of those were off the of penalties. So they, they did have those longer situations two out of t- 10 times because of penalties. But uh, essentially, wow. they did not have any third and shorts. I'm with you. If I see a first down play and, and, and we only pick up two or we throw an incomplete pass, I'm looking for Oscar Chapman. Uh, <laughs> It feels like he freezes I mean, it, it, too. It's like they, there's a lot of those third downs. It's like they don't even try to get it. It's like we're we're content just not turning the ball over and punting it and playing field position right. game. Well, you know what though, the way our defense is playing, I mean, maybe maybe that's not horrible. Maybe maybe taking out the the opportunity for a turnover and let's just run the ball and punt it and let our defense make play. I I don't know. I just I don't 
I'm having a hard time, and I don't want to use identity because I've God, that's a dead horse. But I'm just having a hard time wrapping my mind around, you know, you watch the first couple of drives, and even within the script, you're thinking, okay, what what are we trying to, what are we trying to do? Um, and and it's more so, well, that didn't work. Well, well, there goes Jarquez. Okay, well that looked okay. Well, here we go again. Let's punt again. You know, it just doesn't seem like whether it's Philip Montgomery or or, or Hugh Freeze or whoever. I, there, there's not a whole lot of rhyme and reason, um, and there's there's nobody that frustrates me more. And I'm not even a Dallas Cowboys fan, but I watch Kellen Moore call him, and I'm like, God, what are you doing? You just throwing it, be throwing it. Um, I've he's another one. I've never been able to, and I'm sure these guys are way smarter than I am. Um, and otherwise, you know, they'd be doing what I do for a living, but. Um, I just I have such a hard time trying to see. Okay, here's our game plan. Yeah, um, and maybe that's just no execution, or maybe that's just you know if wide receivers can't block on the perimeter, don't freaking run bubble screens. Um, right. It seems to me like Camden Brown's the only wide receiver we got that a full block. Yeah, yeah, he threw a great um, one actually down the field on Saturday. Yep. But if but if that's you know, if, if that's what you are, then don't do it. Um, use your use your back. By God, put Jeremiah Cobb out there and let him block for a bubble screen. I bet he'll block. Yeah, Auburn's running backs are, hungry, <laughs> are really good at blocking, a hungry, actually. A very hungry, talented, um, just superb athlete. Hey, you know what? When we line up in this formation, we're going to throw a bubble screen, and we need you to annihilate the first jersey you see. Keep it simple. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm just wondering why we're not seeing why we're not seeing the backs in the passing game more. We keep talking about oh, we're not talented at wide receiver. Nope, but we are running back. Um, my God, throw it to them. Yeah, I think that's that's a, a valid point. I, I would like to see Auburn's backs moved, used more in the passing game. I think that uh, with the way that I, I think with the way that uh, what was I about to say? I, I, I the, you got it. to to the point of of what Matt was talking about there. I think that if you look at the pick six that Peyton Thorne threw. Jarquez Hunter was out on a route, and he was open underneath. It would have been at least a gain of five or six, and he could have, and he had an opportunity to make a guy miss. But that was not the first read; that was the checkdown. Um, but th- I think they are trying to get the running backs out. Uh, why don't we see more screens to the running back? That's an excellent question. I I think that that is something that Auburn has not used when they have running backs who can catch and w- look good in open space and. It's easier as an offensive lineman to block a linebacker than it is a defensive lineman. So I think that that is something that Auburn could use more. I do think that the screen game that Auburn's used so far this year, um, I don't love it. The the one that got blown up, uh, Malcolm Johnson Jr. got tackled in the backfield. Yes, the wide receiver missed that block. You're also throwing it to him off of an orbit motion, which screams screen um, most of the time. And it looks like there were more defenders coming that would have made that tackle even if the block was good. So I, I just didn't love that play call in general. I don't love – well, I don't have a problem with the design. I, I just think that you need to do other stuff off of that motion before you throw a screen off of it. 
Um, I, I, th- I think that the screen game is good. You've got to pull it out at the right time. I, and I am waiting for Auburn to use its use the screen game with its running backs, not just its yeah. receivers. I, you know, and I, I've seen some other teams run, you know, versions of, of screens to running backs that I just love. And I'm the same way. I'm like, how are you not doing that? Um, one in particular I saw, um, you go play action. Uh, play action, especially if you've got them stacking the line and they're looking for that run. I mean, there's, there's your prime opportunity right there to run something like that. Uh, they're looking run, go play action. Uh, maybe you have something to the right. Quarterback kind of gets everybody, you know, looking right, but then he comes back to his left to the running back, and of course you've pulled your guys out in front and you've got your convoy. You know, something that, that's not a very complicated thing. That's a very simplistic play action screen. You know, but you you know you kind of go look right to kind of get some motion going that way to clear out. Yeah, just some things like that. It doesn't have to be just a flare. Well, you know, a flare pass where on the snap the running back is already heading out there and you flare it out to him and you hope your receivers are blocking downfield. It feels like when Auburn does some things like that, that's kind of more what it is. Uh, or swing pass, not a flare pass, but a swing pass out to your running back and let your wide receivers block downfield instead of a true screen where you're getting some linemen out and get that convoy going. Um, figure out some schemes with that. Um and uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think you've got running backs that can do that, um, and it, that's what you got to do if they're clogging the middle. Uh, I go back, man. I, I I go back to the the pick six. It's like okay, on well, first down, we I I understand you're backed up on your goal line. You want to try to get yourself some breathing room, but you didn't do it on first down. You just got absolutely stuffed. And then what did Vanderbilt do? They brought everybody right back up in there again. It's like they knew that Auburn was not going to do anything else except just try to push forward to give some breathing room. That right there to me is like the perfect chance to run that screen, run something to the outside, and maybe you can bust something loose from back there. And then, of course, now you're in third and long, and you just all of a sudden you're just like, well, let's just swing one out here out to the side and see what's, oh, well, there's a Vanderbilt guy standing there walks into the end zone it felt like the first two plays set that up for disaster like that because there's no just felt like there's no imagination to it they're just going to run it down the middle and hope we can get some breathing room and then we'll punt I, no well again <laughs> where's the imagination in that well because where's the fun when in that? you don't have a great off I'll, 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 I know, you don't have a great I, offense it's hard to be imagined inside your five yard line i know uh, and so, but you can come up with something. Well, I mean, sure, they Any, can try I other mean, things. But I, I just remember last week, everyone getting very irritable about, and including other people on other radio shows, about p- not throwing inside of the 10, 15 yard line late right. in that game. And then here's Auburn, they throw in a third down inside of this situation. And look, it's honest to God mistake, yeah. obviously. And, and Hugh Freeze said, you know, Peyton Thorne just did not see him. He came over the sideline, asked what happened, said did not see him at all. They may have been the sun. Right, sure. And freak sure. things can happen. But, again, you never know what was actually prevented by being conservative, and that's the that's sometimes what people fail to see. When, when you do win, and that's the most important thing, Right, you don't see what actually negative thing you might have prevented by doing the conservative approach. And so, again, when you win by two scores, I'm not; those are not the things that I'm going to be agitated about or be harping on too much. I will say about the balance thing or about um, 
the the constant third and longs and and that sort of thing. And if there's, I know he didn't want to use the word, but appreciate the phone call, Matt. But uh, identity, when you attempt to be balanced and you are not good uh, at offense most of the time, then you will fail in both rushing and passing at times. And then it will look like you don't know how to do anything at times because you don't have that, quote, identity because you don't have that go-to thing. You're not good enough to run for 300 yards a game. You're not good enough to pass for 300 yards a game. So when an offense that attempts balance, when you are less than stellar, then it will look like there is not no sort of reason to what's going on. That's simply what I would say. Now, look, you've still got to improve throughout the year at both things. I do think they're clearly improving at passing the football. They still show their limitations at times. They show the one to two really bad throws or the one or two really bad drops or the one and two really quick to the quarterback opportunities for defensive linemen, and they still show the limitations in that. Uh, But they've clearly improved there. With the rushing of the football, though, I will not say that they have checked the box. They have checked some boxes. They have checked the more explosive play box. That was not there against Power 5 competition the first half of the year. It wasn't. It wasn't there against A&M. wasn't really there against Cal. Uh, it, was not, it was not there. It was only kind of present when you had some Ashford couple runs against Georgia in the 20, inside the 25, 30-yard line. That's when you had the more explosive runs. Now you've moved on to your explosive runs are not 10 or 15 yards. They're t- huge touchdown runs. Uh, like against Ole Miss, they had one against Ole Miss too. So they've moved on here in the second half of the year in that regard, uh, but I think the next hurdle to clear rushing the ball is is those obvious situations uh, and, and trying to, okay, as you said, it is it doesn't have to be obvious on third and one rushing down. It could be obvious first and ten your own three right. that you're probably not throwing a play-action deep ball. So you're going to do something pretty close to the line of scrimmage. Can you execute that stuff better? That might be the next thing. Uh, next hurdle to clear, honestly, in the evolution of their offense is short yardage, obvious situations. We need to take our end of our timeout. Stay tuned. More of your phone calls to open up hour number three on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. A little bit later, we will talk a little bit about the beginning college basketball season, and we'll have our best and worst of the weekend. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brant Dontry with you here on the Monday edition of the program. Again, coming up a little bit later in the hour, 
We will have our best and worst of the weekend. Also, a little college basketball as college basketball season is now officially underway. But for now, let's go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line 334 887 3401 locally or toll free 1 9 Tiger 9. James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you this afternoon? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that y'all were talking about Auburn and uh, Vanderbilt, and I did see that game, and it was really, it was really good. You know, with Peyton Thornton, he did what he had to do as a quarterback, and uh, Jacquez Hunter, he he actually did uh, run a lot of yards as well. Because when I was looking at Jacquez Hunter, it reminded me of like the Chris Davis uh, kick six as well. Uh, very interesting there, although certainly ran a lot of yards. As you said, a uh, 67-yard touchdown run for Jarquez Hunter plus a, another 50-something-yard touchdown run. So Auburn running wild there in Nashville and was able to uh, get the two-touchdown win. Yes, as well, because if we do keep that uh, same momentum that we had last uh, this past weekend, um, I'm looking at if we're going to keep that momentum this weekend when we play at home. I think we're at home for Arkansas, if I'm mistaken. Uh, that, that is incorrect. We are at Arkansas. Auburn is at Arkansas this upcoming weekend. Then they are home against New Mexico State and Alabama. Oh, okay. So when we actually play Arkansas, that's going to be our tough test right there because I think this one is going to really start to look a little bit better for us. So I think we're going to have a huge, huge advantage against Arkansas because I did see some mistakes um, over the weekend when I was watching Arkansas. So I know those mistakes um, from Arkansas. I'm, I was looking at Arkansas, but I don't think Arkansas has the advantage that we have for Auburn as well. So I think this is going to be in favor of Auburn winning on the road against the uh, Razorbacks in Arkansas. Yeah, we shall see. I think uh, Arkansas did open as a slight favorite. I think it's going to be a tough tough game to pick. Uh, Arkansas does not have as good of a record as Auburn, but they are coming mm-hmm. off their best performance of the season. They have a different guy calling plays now, and so they're going to function a lot different than they did when they were struggling early in the year. So it's going to be a close one to call. Yes, that's well, because I'm going to be watching this game very closely, and then I'm going to watch New Mexico State because I know that will be our next uh, opponent that we're going to play at home before the big before the big um, weekend that we play against Alabama. So I'm going to see how we'll stand out at home when we play New Mexico State. So I think this is going to be a really good test before we open up before we open up um, you know the big one that we're going to play in the Iron Bowl as well because I'm actually going to be looking at Alabama. I know Alabama is going to be coming off of a of a big win. Um, that they played, but I think Alabama won't have the advantage like they did last week. But I'm just going to say that this game, when we play against Alabama, is going to be in Auburn's favor to win as well to actually make it to a bowl game. And then the overall record at the end of our season will be seven and seven and six and five overall in the SEC conference play as well. Uh, so, yes, yeah, some numbers there. Obviously, got to finish it up with uh, 12 regular season games, eight conference games. So, the seven and five, uh, very much on the table for Auburn. If they can get it done in Fayetteville, uh, that would be their third conference win. They'd finish three and five if they were to lose to Alabama and the SEC. But, uh, yeah, again, we'll see what happens here in the final quarter of the season. Yes, as well, because we're actually looking 
off in the sunset at Auburn actually playing in, in a bowl game, which I'm looking at maybe playing in a bowl game in Nashville, Tennessee, which is going to be a really good test for us. That's going to be coming up on December the 30th of 2020 of 2023, which I'm going to be marking down on my calendar as well. And I'm just going to see how Auburn actually takes uh, this big uh, game against Wisconsin as well. Yeah, again, nothing's been announced yet for the bowl game. I mean, that's just a projection. They could end up playing someone like Wisconsin. They could go Mm -hmm. to the Music City Bowl. They could go to Tampa. They could go, if they lose to Arkansas, they could go to Birmingham Bowl again. I mean, there's a lot lot of possibilities there for Auburn and uh, again, we won't have a. We'll start to get a better idea after the Arkansas game because we know uh, Auburn's going to feel great about New Mexico State. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, until the Arkansas games w- goes, we don't know if it's going to be six, seven win team, that sort of thing. Yeah, so I'm just going to like see how we do this weekend because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put a lot of gas in our tank and then next thing you know, we'll just have we'll just like be rolling off on one wheel before the big bowl game so i just have to put a little bit uh a less uh tank in our gas just to keep just to keep this uh, bus rolling as well and uh you know keeping the ac on on um on the cool air as well all right i see what you did there at the end with another another freeze reference there but uh yeah no we'll 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 just have to see how it goes in fayetteville and we'll have a better uh, idea of it after that what else is on your mind today well with college basketball starting out tonight i have uh alabama losing at home in tuscaloosa because i know this is going to be their first time ever playing in a home in a home field crowd against a a huge team that they that i think they never played against this team i think it's more more state if i'm saying that uh university's name right i think it's moorhead state yeah, so this will be um, this will be Alabama's first time ever playing against Morehouse State. I'm sorry, I, I got to get that school's name right. No, it's all right. It's it's Morehead State, and and yeah, I, I have no idea if they've ever played before. They are Morehead State's a smaller conference team. It's entirely possible that they have played. Uh, mm-hmm. I just know that Alabama is a 21 and a half point favorite at home tonight. So Alabama is going to be heavily favored. Yeah, so I'm actually I have uh, Morehead State winning on the road in Tuscaloosa because I know that game is going to be a very, very, very tough loss for Alabama, and this will be their first loss of the season. And I'm just going to see how things are going to look for uh, Alabama as as the uh, basketball season actually comes, uh, you know, open this year as well. Yeah, they will certainly get their first something of the season tonight. But I, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see about Alabama. They've got a, a an easier month of November. Their December slate is packed with ranked teams, so I think they've got a good opportunity to start things out. Auburn's kind of inverted that. Auburn's got obviously a top twenty-five team tomorrow in Baylor. Yes, because I will be watching that game as well. Because I know we're playing we're playing that game at home. Uh no that that will be in the state of South Dakota actually. Okay, so this one will be our first time ever playing in South Dakota as well. And I do have Auburn favorite to win this one on the road. And I know it's going to be kind of cold up there in South Dakota, so I know it's going to be um, a very cold week in the month of November. Um, it's, it's really going to be a great, a great game to see these two teams actually playing because I actually did see these two teams actually play back in March of last, few years of the March Madness tournament so I'll have Auburn actually winning this game on the 
on a neutral site in uh, South Dakota as well to beat uh, Baylor as well. Yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to it. I think we all are. I mean, it's an- another another season of Auburn basketball. This team still has high expectations, uh, still absolutely expect to be in the NCAA tournament, and we'll see if they've got maybe a little bit higher ceiling than the team did last year. I'll be, uh, I'll be very curious to watch. Yes, as well, because I would be watching – uh, another uh, college basketball game uh, tonight. I'm watching Alabama State play um, the Ole Miss Rebels. So I do have Alabama State Hornets winning on the road in um, in Oxford, Mississippi. I know this is going to be their first time ever playing outside of Montgomery. So this is going to be their first time uh, winning a a game that they never played against an SEC school. This is going to be their first time ever playing outside of their conference. So I think Alabama State is going to look really good this year. And I'm looking beyond, you know, if they're going to make it to a SWAC uh, tournament sometime real soon as well. So I just don't know what their season record is going to be. So they're just starting their uh, basketball program uh, as I speak as well for Alabama State. Yeah, well, I know they've been playing for a while now. I have I have no idea what to expect out of them this year. But, again, it's a long season, and they won't probably do well outside of conference play. But for them in a small conference, it's all about how you do uh, in conference play and in that conference tournament. So we'll see how it goes. We're almost out of time here with you, James. So any final thoughts for us where we have to let you go? Well, the only final thought that I actually have for you all, guys, is tomorrow I am actually going to be going out to my first concert here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I'm actually going to be going to see Foranger. It's going to be really, really good. It's my first time ever seeing this concert. I've been waiting for a long time, and I'll tell you all how that concert actually went, and I will be posting uh, pictures and videos of that concert tomorrow night as well. Oh, well, that sounds like a lot of fun. We hope you have a lot of fun out there. We'll be looking forward to uh, seeing that on Twitter or wherever you post uh, post those videos. All right, sounds good, and I'll talk to you all guys tomorrow. War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. With that, we take our first time out of the 5 o'clock hour when we come back. Do want to have a couple quick words on college basketball season as college basketball is underway. Auburn will get underway tomorrow night in the state of South Dakota. And coming up right after that, we'll have the best and worst of the weekend. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dottry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday edition of the program. 
here in hour number three coming up in just a little bit. Best and worst of the weekend. Before we do that, however, want to talk just a little bit of college basketball here today. And again, tomorrow we will have a little bit more on Auburn final expectations for the season and and um, goals and just, just overall thoughts on the season that we have on Auburn basketball. But I do want to get, since it is the start of the season today, just a brief couple words about the SEC as a whole, college basketball as a whole this year. Just to remind you, Auburn was officially picked sixth in the SEC. The order went like this. Tennessee was selected to win the league, A&M two, Arkansas three, Kentucky four, Alabama five, Auburn six, Mississippi State seven, Florida eight, Missouri nine, Ole Miss ten, Vandy eleven, Georgia twelve, LSU thirteen, South Carolina fourteen. That was what the media projected in the preseason. We've had an SEC team on our studio TV here for the majority of the show. Georgia Bulldogs losing to Oregon 69-53 in the late in the second half. Uh, so that's the first SEC team to get action this year. Of course, again, as I just said, they were picked 12th in the league. Those teams at the top, this is something that has continued to happen in college basketball. Yes, there are some big five-star studs. They're going to the Duke Kentuckys of the world. But there are a lot of transfers in the Southeastern Conference. Arkansas had a big class. Uh, I know that Kentucky still got a couple. Texas A&M had some. Obviously, Auburn had a few. Ole Miss had several with Chris Beard coming in. Uh, A lot of transfers in this league. It almost seems like it's a race to get older at at times than it is to get younger. Uh, But, Brant, when you see this league and you see that, again, Kentucky gets – Another five-star late in class. Arkansas gets all these transfers. Tennessee's got maybe the most returning stuff of all that. A&M was sneaky good last year. Again, year one of Chris Beard. Missouri was kind of good last year. I mean, what do you think of this league? I, I think it's up there in terms of it, it has an argument to be the best league in college basketball. I think that you look at Tennessee, you look at Arkansas, I think those two have legitimate – Final Four aspirations. They would love to get there. I understand Tennessee habitually chokes, and I I don't know why that would change. But you look at them as a team and how good they are, that is a realistic expectation for them to have. Um, Kentucky is going to be Kentucky, right? I mean, they're always going to be Kentucky. Um, Arkansas, uh, Eric Musselman is one of the better coaches in all of college basketball, much less this league. So I think they expect to compete for a championship. Um, And then you look at Auburn. Auburn is kind of this... Well, how high is their floor? How high is their ceiling, really? I, we, we kind of talked about it a little bit. We expect Auburn to have a higher floor than they did last year, but maybe not as high of a ceiling. We don't know what their record could be. Uh, we expect the shooting to be better, but how good is the defense going to be? And obviously I'm talking a lot about Auburn because they're the one that I paid the most attention to. Um, it, it looks like there's going to be six or seven teams competing for those top four spots, but I, I would be shocked if you don't get – uh, I'd say about half the teams in this league into the NCAA tournament. This is a really loaded league. There's not really a team that you can look over. I mean, even Georgia right now, no, they're not going to be very good, but they're expected to be a lot better than they have been, um, even though we're watching them lose to Oregon right now. But still, you're, they're only down by 12 with six minutes and 40 seconds to go. This is a this is a tournament a, caliber a, yeah, program. This is a, sure, this is Oregon, a close yeah. 
This is a close basketball game against a tournament caliber team in Oregon. I you expect Georgia to raise their floor a little bit more and and head in the right direction. So I, I think that this league is very tough. It's very competitive, and I think if Auburn can shoot for a top four spot, get one of those first round buys in the NCAA in the SEC tournament, I think it's a pretty good year. Tom, what do you think about the uh, basketball in the league? Uh, it's going to be deep, and uh, it's going to be tough for Auburn to uh, have the type of success that we're used to ha- seeing from them. Uh, but I think it's doable for Auburn. I, with Auburn right now, it's just a lot of unknowns. Um, I mean, it really is. It, it's a lot of unknowns. And uh, you do know, like all these teams that were already mentioned, Kentucky's going to be Kentucky. Tennessee still supposed to be good. Arkansas still supposed to be good. Bama's supposed to be good. A&M's supposed to be good. Um, we've just talked about Georgia right here running, you know, with Oregon. And you still don't know about some of the other teams that might – make some surprises so Auburn's gonna have to be on their game this year uh if this is not this I don't expect this to be one of those SEC leagues that is uh like extremely top heavy with like two really good teams and then everybody else just kind of fighting for crumbs I think that this is a league that could really go any which way with a bunch of various teams I think Auburn is one of those teams that is up there they're uh I I I even with the questions, I think they're still better than a sixth place in the SEC. Just if I had to predict, I think they're better than sixth. I, I think the Auburn's home court advantage gets them better than sixth. Um, but again, a lot of unknowns. Uh, we will definitely know a little bit more of what this team is made of uh, tomorrow. Uh, you said that you expect Auburn to get beat by Baylor. I mean, Baylor is a top 25 team. Uh, supposed to be very good. I think it will be a very good indicator of where Auburn is right now with all the question marks. Um, now, it will not obviously answer all the questions because it's first game, but uh, are we are we going to see a team that shoots the ball better? Uh, goodness gracious, I hope we do because the last couple of years has been just yeah. mind-numbingly so, Some of the worst shooting teams of Bruce Pearl's coaching uh, yeah. tenure and – and so, uh, and that means Auburn or Tennessee, and uh, I mean in the three hundreds, right? Uh, in, in a lot of those three point metrics and some free throw and all that. Yeah. So you're hoping to see better there, yeah. Um, you know, you're hoping that you're going to see a guy like Aiden Holloway look like a five star dude that you know will be a as Dick Vitale calls a diaper dandy. You know, you're hoping you've got that diaper dandy there. Uh, you hope that Janai Broom even improves more and can be that force on the inside for them. So a lot of questions, but as far as the league, yeah, I mean, a lot of questions with the league just because there are so many teams that are expected to be good, and you just really don't know how things are going to pan out until we start seeing some of these teams in action a little bit. Yeah, I'm really curious to see because when I think of, okay, so Auburn at sixth in the SEC – who would be a team or two below them that you would be worried about? Who is a team or two above them that you feel they can outlast? So I, I think I start uh, – I'll do the team or two below first. I'm not too worried about Mississippi State. They just seem like they have a ceiling that they continually hit their head on, and until they actually get back into a top 25 or or have a tw- and, you know an 11-7, and 12-6 in the SEC – I just not. I'm not going to buy everything there. Ole Miss is a team that I just wonder about from the word go. 
how quickly Chris Beard can get that going. Chris Beard's a heck of a coach. Ole Miss is going to end up being a problem in a couple of years. Uh, they obviously have Alan Flanagan. They had a lot of transfers. It was not just Flanagan. They had like five or six transfers come in there. So I don't know if Ole Miss is ready yet, but if Ole Miss could have a boom season, it would not utterly shock me. The teams above Auburn that I think would have a, Auburn have a chance at – Alabama right there. Alabama did get a couple of the best transfers. They got Grant Nelson from North Dakota State. He's awesome, 17, 18-point guy. Uh, he's in the pre- preseason All-SEC team. He's really good. They also got another guard. I forget where he's from. That averaged like 19 or 20 a game at one of the small Western schools uh, to pair with Mark Sears in the back backcourt. But, uh, again, they lost a, a transcendent talent last year in Brandon Miller. That's not always easy to replace. So, And they did lose a couple other guys, too. Uh, you know, for as much as he was disliked, and I certainly couldn't stand the guy. Uh, Javon Quinterly was a veteran player. He got hot down the stretch. He helped them a lot uh, late after having a rough year. Did Did y'all see what Nate Oates said in a, in, yeah. a, in a preseason presser the other day? Yeah, about, we got guys that actually work at yeah, point guard or whatever. Not, yeah. not having to beg your point guard to work hard or something like yeah. that. Just, yeah, just, yeah. Just, it was about Quinterly. <laughs> yeah. Break the news. It was yeah. about Quinterly. <laughs> Uh, so I wonder about Alabama. I also wonder about a and I'm convinced Tennessee's going to be good. I'm convinced Arkansas is going to be good. And Kentucky's got three of the top six recruits in the country. So I think that they're back to getting their dudes. It is kind of an important year for Cal <laughs> Perry, by the way. But they got a incredible recruiting class. a and they're picked second in the league. And that might uh, pri- surprise some people. And even me, who does realize that that was a pretty good team last year, Wade Taylor, their guard, is the projected, predicted All-SEC uh, Player of the Year, uh, which, again, te- for Texas A&M to have that, not common. Usually it's a Kentucky or Tennessee guy or something like that, maybe Arkansas. It's a Texas A&M player. So I wonder about A&M's, the quality of their depth, because obviously they got somebody that they love a lot in Wade Taylor. They had great success against Auburn last year. Uh, but the reality of it, too, is that they – I believe that's their only All-SEC selection as I I've go through it. So no other preseason All-SEC selection. So even though Taylor's great, that could feel like a carry job at times, and it's hard to carry as great as Taylor might be to, to carry that high in the league. Uh, but, you know, I think that ultimately, I think, like I said, Tennessee's going to be good. Their backcourt's back. Zakai Ziegler, hopefully for them, healthy. Uh, after the torn ACL at the end of the year last year, Santiago Vescovi, Vescovi, however you, you know, whoever you listen to on the given day uh, is back. And so they've got a good backcourt. Really? Yes. Well, he's I, I for his 12th year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I definitely thought he would have been gone by now. Just, but yeah. just missed the Bruce Pearl tenure there yeah. at Tennessee. <laughs> uh, but so, so they've got a great backcourt, uh, and, and that's going to help a lot with experience play and that sort of thing. So I think. I think, as Brant said, what you said, half the league going, which is seven teams, I think that's about right. I, I think that there's at least six tournament bids in this league, as many as eight, depending on you know Florida, Mississippi State, or bubble teams, but depending on the boomer bust of year one Ole Miss, and then maybe even Missouri, who was a pretty competent team last year. They lost a lot, though. They, they did lose a good bit, so that's more on the coach to have another successful year in year two. Uh, but Missouri was a, a real team last year. So I, I think at least six, as many as eight bids for the league. It's going to be a quality league. I mean, you, that means about every other game you're going to be playing someone that's an NCAA tournament team. And, uh, and, and as I said earlier, again, with the Baylor game, yes, I do not think it'll go great for Auburn in game one. But I'll tell you what, if it does, if they win and be a top 25 team, neutral four, Baylor's a program. I, you know, I can't promise it year to year. 
if they're going to be the best version of themselves, would be awesome. They're not quite in that status, but the, I know they're a tournament team, and they've obviously won a title not too long ago, and, and so they they've got some chops to them. And I think Bruce Pearl said in the press conference today they got three All Big Twelve players. Yeah. So I mean they got some chops to them, and and, and that's going to be a tough one to open up the season. Yeah, I think if you're Auburn, you're looking at the schedule and you're going just hold serve at home and. Maybe go 500 on the road, and, yeah, well, and yeah. I, I would count I mean, this as a road game. And that's that's I mean that's probably a top four spot in the SEC, and that's definitely an NCAA tournament bid. Yeah, no, I mean look, that, that's always the path yeah. in, in conference play is you, you got 18, so you got nine at home, nine on the road. If you can go nine at home, at home or nine and zero at home, almost I almost sound like Mahomes. I don't know, <laughs> uh, nine and zero at at home. Then that opens up a wealth possibility because if you just go four and five in a row, that's thirteen conference wins. Yeah. You're absolutely getting the buy uh, at, at that point, and, and you might even be two. I mean, yeah. I think maybe yeah. even Auburn won the league at thirteen and five, or tied. Maybe that was the year they tied uh, for it. Maybe the first year, the year before the Final Four team. I have to double check that. They might have gone thirteen and five that year. So yeah, it, if you can do that. Uh, it, things never go according to plan, obviously, but but that's the goal. Is if you can go undefeated at home, you've got a wealth of possibilities for what you can get away with on the road. And we know college basketball; it's about seventy five percent for the home team. I mean, it's a it's a losing endeavor most most nights on the road. So you do absolutely need to protect your home court, but also uh, not worry too much about it if you take a loss here and there on the road. But getting really excited again. College basketball is back tonight. A lot of teams players, not a, a lot of good games tonight. Big teams are playing, but they're playing a bunch of smaller conference teams that don't have uh, a, a high ceiling on their seasons. But uh, really excited for college basketball to be back, and we are in that very, very busy but beautiful time of year. We're going to head to another timeout when we come back. Best and worst of this past weekend. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. it is to listen to our show all you have to do with your amazon smart device is say alexa play sports call auburn let's get back to sports call on tiger 95.9 feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9 Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brant Dontry with you here on the Monday edition of the program. Starting to get in the final moments of the show. And as we do each and every Monday, it's time for Best and Worst. Now time for the best. Woohoo! And worst. No! 
No! No! Of the weekend. All right, best and worst of the weekend. Let's start. I think we started worst again last week, but let's start worst again. I want to end positively. <laughs> uh, man, I, I don't really have just like a worst that just jumps out at me, but a worst of the weekend, uh, and it's kind of been a worst of the last couple of weekends, but man, the honeymoon has really worn off with Deion Sanders in Colorado, <laughs> and they lose again. Uh, and everybody, the uh, whole sequence of events that the end of the first half that led to another Oregon State touchdown where, you know, really if they had just kind of run the clock out, they would have gotten away for there. But they screwed the pooch on that and gave Oregon State the ball a chance to uh, score, and they did. Uh, the honeymoon has, has definitely worn off from him, and, I mean, it's – it has been quite the turn against Dion in that program since the first couple of weeks when the dude could do no wrong. And, like, all of a sudden it's like all the wolves are coming out of the tree line. And, woof, man, it's, it's been quite the turn of events with Dion. The Colorado situation is so weird to me because I'm not, I'm not paying super heavy attention to it, but I'll watch them when they're on. They fired their offensive coordinator yeah. last week, yeah. which was so weird because they're scoring like thirty-five points a game. Their their the offense was is, not the issue. Right, their problem is defense. Yeah. So, but like your offense is executing really well. Why in the world did you fire your OC? But and and in this game against Oregon State, their offense did not play well. No, you know, it, it was not. They did not put up a ton of points. And yeah, they had five till the fourth quarter. Yeah, which was not and, a football. Well, <laughs> and, well no. I think they finished the game with like negative seven rushing yards yeah. total yeah. or something like that. It's just so and Oregon, Oregon State's geez. a good team, but right. sure, but bless, that's just bad for no reason. Yeah, no, I, they. I can't. Yeah, I don't. I know that their offensive line has not been great, and right. that, that that Shador's run for his life some, but. Uh, yeah, at four and five now. I think they'll beat Washington State. Washington State's lost about five in a row, so I think they'll get the five. But I, I don't think they'll make a bowl now. And uh, and again, that's look. It's year one, and I, I'll tell you, give anyone time. But for as loud as it got in the positive, well, it is a, a sharp one eighty in the same season. And I know. Well, and look, I, I'll tell you this too. Uh, they're going to always get portal guys. They're going to get big portal guys, but. They're not doing the high school recruiting part right now, yeah. and they need to think about that because that's still a foundation that you can use for three, four, five years. I think last check, I haven't checked in a week, so forgive me if the numbers have changed, but on last check about a week and a half ago, they were in the high 60s, low 70s in recruiting in high school. And it's like, well, that means some group of fives are, are beating you out. And, and so you, you got to value that a little bit more. Maybe they'll get theirs here late in the process, that sort of thing, maybe some late arriving NIL money or whatever. But if they think they're just going to get 40 portal guys a year and be a consistently good program, that, that's that's not how that works still. And the good news for them is they're going to go into a Big 12 where there's no inherent top dog, so they will have a, an easier time of it next year. They'll have uh, a few less teams to, to deal with. But – uh, yeah, no, it's taking a, cl- a clear 180. Worst for you, Brent. Uh, my worst of the weekend is going to come from SEC football, Texas A&M and Ole Miss playing each other. We've talked about it a little bit on this show, but I want to point out once again, this guy brazenly it got knocked down on the play, and the guy who knocked him down is kind of backing up to get off of him. And from a from a need position, just Jamar oh, Turner, yeah, yeah, upper uh, kneeling uppercut to the groin, just with with. No room for any kind of interpretation, just as hard as he could. 
just swings up and you know catches the guy and football it, play it, right huh. yeah exactly huh. it's one of, well maybe at the bottom of a pile but it's uh, one of those true. things you just you can't do that <laughs> I mean you just can't and uh and then he got up and gave him a right hook too and I mean credit to the to the Ole Miss offensive lineman kind of just going what the world are you doing and like pointing it out to the officials but also you can't just get up and punch a dude in the groin you, you can't no. get away with that. Well, and I good on the Ole Miss guy because for not fighting. Back. Yeah, yeah, well, because yeah. look, it happens a lot in basketball. It, I say a lot, but it's happening more in basketball where you fight over a screen. Yeah, and some guys maybe intentionally or not kind of slap down to get over because you're trying to get get around, and they slap, and so they kind of backhand the groin area, and I, sometimes that causes. A stir, a fracas. Yeah, I mean, it causes something, something to go down. So, uh, good on him. That was very calm reaction by him. Uh, it, it's like in a in a movie when you try to hit the bad guy and you think <laughs> you're doing a great job and it doesn't really have an effect. It's like, yeah, I'm kind of bored. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> the, the dude just kind of ate that punch. Like he didn't he didn't react <laughs> to it. And I'm going, Wade's wearing a cup. Good for him. Yeah, I guess I don't know. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, no that that was a that was a funny worst of the weekend. Uh, my worst of the weekend. So I'm gonna do I'm gonna do both best and worst from the trip to Nashville. And the worst is Brooks Childress. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, no, nah, I love that guy. I've made Poor I've guy. made that drive up to Nashville with Brooks Childress before. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. It's a fun one. Uh, so the worst of the weekend. I, and trust me, there's gonna be a best that's gonna be very enlightening and, and and very positive towards Vanderbilt. So this is not a Vandy hate session. But the worst of the weekend. Is how in the hell you had to get in that stadium because with the construction, I heard it was very rough. (laughs) Because with that, with that construction going on, I'll tell you what: if you you know those kind of fall mazes, you might go out to like a a a a corn maze, right? And 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 go on a maze and whatever. That's what that was like. So here's here's (laughs) here's what happened: we parked like fifth level of the six story deck. All right, cool, whatever. You go down the stairwell closest to where you parked, fenced in for construction, couldn't get out there. No signs, no signs whatsoever that you could not go down that stairwell. You go, We went five levels down, can't get out. So we just go back up the two, walk all the way across the deck, find stairs that do lead to redemption, and, <laughs> and, and, and we get out, okay? Redemption. So you've got to walk. You've got to walk towards the, and it's not a long walk, it's about 90 seconds, but you got to walk towards the basketball arena. And then they had a sign for media, we'll call. Well, there, there's this line of Auburn fans, it looked like, that were waiting to get in. So it was a little bit confusing. And after about two minutes of staying at the door, the, the person doing media credentials finally said, oh, open the door, said, are you with media? Come on in. And so, okay, the same doors that people are about to walk through that they're waiting through, those are the doors to get in for the credentials. So a little bit confusing. Usually those are separate, but okay. Only added two minutes to the journey. So you walk in the basketball arena, you get your credential, and then you walk through around the kind of the periphery of the inside of the basketball arena. You, you, you see the concession stands on the right, some entrances, uh, some entrances to suite levels on the left. You walk through a hallway that has locker rooms or, or, or has like a, like a, a, a dance area and like almost <laughs> like a high school. Like, like it, I'm not exaggerating this at all. Like there was, there was like a, a dance studio area off to the side. 
You then walk briefly inside of the gymnasium, so you're still on seat level, but like you can see the disoriented court below. Then you walk behind the bleachers through another concession area, then out the door, walk down a ramp that curls into the stadium. We've made it, so you thought, and then... <laughs> And then, but wait, there's more. You come out to to where it opens up to the seating level. You say, "Okay, can we get down the field level from here?" We ask the guy, "No, you can't. You have to go back. You have to go kind of around all the football concessions down uh, and to the left. There's a tunnel right between the construction and some some bus alleyways to get underneath the stadium. And then you walk out across the across the end zone." Which, by the way, that turf was very warm, even though it was only a 70-degree day. Uh, walk across that, then go kind of where, again, where you would be moving big bench area stuff to and off the field, that sort of thing. You then take a left into another tunnel that starts to wind you back up towards, again, general mission level. Then you find the elevator, about two more concession stands down, and then you go up to three for the for the press box area. Goodness. If it took me that long to explain it, I promise you it took you that long to walk it. So, anyway, that was my worst of the weekend is that, again, the the construction has caused quite a stir and quite chaos for everything football, media, anything football-related there, Fanny. All right, that was long-winded. I apologize, <laughs> but you needed to know all that. That's I'm out why of breath. It, I, I'm out of breath. Right. I feel like I've just been on a long walk. <laughs> That's why it was a worst. All right, best of the weekend. and we got about four or five minutes left. <clears throat> um, uh, my best of the weekend, our, our guy Cam Berry is going to hate it, but, man, Josh Dobbs with the, with the Vikings. Uh, a week ago, the guy was a third stringer for the Cardinals. No, he was or, the starter. Hey, well, he, 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 right, he would have been, been second string because of right. uh, Murray. He was third string for the Browns in the preseason. They're right. right. Yeah. Sure. That's why they cut him. Right. Yeah. Either way, a week ago playing for the Cardinals, now he's with the Vikings. I watched a video of him on the sideline with his offensive line and his center, and he's so new that he is working his cadences out with them on yes. the sideline to figure out so that everybody's on the same page with what he sounds like taking snaps. So, again, the guy's only been with the Vikings for a few weeks, starting on the road, leads him to a game-winning touchdown. Yeah, casually. Casually. Oh, it's easy. No big deal. Game-winning touchdown drive. Like I said, our guy Cam Berry loves the Falcons. He's not going to like that. Brant likes Falcons, too, by the way. Yeah, true. You're not as much as Cam. I Well, I I watch every game, and I'm I'm very much paying attention. I listen to the podcast. I – Cam puts Cam, Atl- Cam will put Atlanta sports over Auburn sports. I'm yeah, the opposite, yeah. but like as far as Atlanta teams, it's probably as far as like my allegiances, it's all Auburn sports, and then probably the Braves, and then the Falcons. Right. And, and, and Cam was order. at the game, by the way. Cam was yeah. at the game. So was my sister yeah. and uh, brother-in-law were at the game. I had a chance to go to that game, but I was too busy. They, okay. I think they had four tickets, and they're like, "Hey, you want to go to the game?" I was like, eh, you could I not, want to, but I can't. You yeah. could not pay me to go watch the Atlanta Falcons right now. <laughs> I just, I'm disgusted. When they yeah. play, well, they already played the Panthers at home. They Never have mind. already played. They, they played and beat the Panthers. Yeah. So <laughs> I was about to say the Panthers know, they, game should be safe. They've but. got the one and six Cardinals just in time for Kyler Murray to get healthy again. <laughs> yeah. But he, can't he, wait for him to run for 400 yeah. yards. But either, either way, you know, a lot of <laughs> lot of impressive performances around the weekend. Um, God, I hate that team. Uh, well, I don't like Alabama, and Milrow was. <laughs> Very impressive he in was. that game. Goodness gracious, that guy was impressive. Still needs work on his passing, but his ability to run, geez, man, yeah. he was looked good. But 
like I said, my best of the week is Dobbs. I mean, the fact that the dude was over on the sideline working on his cadences with his offensive line because he's just so new to the team that he just gets out there and promptly leads a game-winning drive like it's no big deal. So, there you go. All right, Brant, your best? Uh, I would like to revise my worst, the Atlanta Falcons. Um, <laughs> my, my best of the weekend is going to go simple little thing from New Mexico University, the uh, Wolfpack, I think? Either Lobos. Way. Lobos, thank you. Um, they were playing UNLV over the weekend, and uh, at the start of the fourth quarter, or, or around the start of the fourth quarter, they did uh, this little welcome thing. You could pay to get your name up on the board. You know, welcome to whoever, whatever group's here. Um, they put welcome Connor Stallions, and then in parentheses, <laughs> probably. Oh, wow. That is on their, that is on their video board. Uh, I would like to say maybe not the best time to do it. They were losing 56-7 to to UNLV at the time. Oh. But uh, still very funny. Like, very Connor, funny from New Mexico. Connor could have been there for UNLV. Have we? Have yeah. we? I, I've only I'm only on the show once a week, and usually uh-huh. I'm recapping the game that Auburn yeah. played. Have we talked? Have we all touched on the Connor Stallions thing? Yeah, on the, on the Michigan stuff. That's so <laughs> freaking funny to me. Now we, I don't think we have talked about the fact yet that he was fired or resigned or whatever. Yeah, he, he, uh, he got let go. That. He was let go. Yeah, we, we yeah we have not. I don't unless that happened Friday. See, I can't remember. I can't remember. We we, we brought we up about three about consecutive week. days last week, including yeah. like last Thursday, but. <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, that that's crazy. The footage, the footage of him on the CMU sideline is too yeah. good. My my uh, yeah. my best of the weekend is positive Vandy related, and that is the press box itself. Once you made the arduous journey uh, <laughs> to the press box, you were rewarded with a beautiful forty-five yard line view, which is very rare for media these days. That is that is going out of fashion. They, their media is being either end zone or or corner usually, yeah. like uh, Auburn, right? Well, Auburn's the poster child for all the don'ts right now. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would say that the view was as good as it gets. About forty-five yard line again. Vandy's not going to have a hundred thousand seats, so it's not going to be overly high up in the in the sky either. And then the meal, <laughs> uh, the meal, chicken wings, not sauce, but very well seasoned. Uh, Slabs of roast beef, not the store bought Oscar Mayer or you know Lana Frost or whatever roast beef slices, like real roast beef. And then you had potatoes, like whole circle potatoes. You had uh, asparagus. Uh, you had uh, King's Hawaiian rolls, one or two other sides, and then uh, cupcakes for dessert, nice. vanilla and chocolate uh, cupcakes. Uh, Pepsi products, which is fine by me, and I mean either way. I mean unlimited what you wanted there. Um, checked all the boxes. Great experience. Uh, was happy to be up there, and yeah, high, the press box. Vandy, Vandy did the press box right. That, that's how you do it. It's on par with uh, twelve other SEC schools, and uh, I think that it's it's done a, a done a good job. So. Yeah, no, I, I think it's. I think it was very good. So that was definitely a best of the weekend. Hey, be, best press box experience I've had uh, covering the Auburn L- <clears throat> the Auburn LSU game in Baton Rouge in 1999 for when I was working for the Auburn Plainsman. Game's over. We're sitting there doing our work. A person comes around and puts a beer in front of every single Are person in the press box. No. Yeah. <laughs> that rules. I was like, wow, that's awesome. Like, okay, cool, man. That's, there's no, there's good. nowhere like LSU, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I need only, to go only in Baton Rouge just, yeah. would they come around and pass out beer to the media. They did not do that when I was there in 19, for what right. it's worth. But uh, yeah, God, I need to go see a game in Baton Rouge, man. Every everybody, 
I know that like they used to have this reputation for being the worst place for opposing uh-huh. fans to go, and I still think it's incredibly difficult to play there. Every fan that I know that's been to Baton Rouge has said yeah that they had a great time. Yeah, it. it you need to go one year. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a great experience for sure. Okay, we are actually over time. So real quickly, the nightly TV guy presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Uh, you've got number one LSU in women's college basketball versus number twenty Colorado TNT tonight. Jacksonville State at Auburn. That's seven o'clock on the SEC Network. Plus Auburn women's basketball underway. Uh, we hope to have a very special guest involving the women's basketball program tomorrow on the show. But Auburn women's basketball taking on Jacksonville State, 7 o'clock. J.J. Jackson on the call of that one for the SEC Network Plus. And then National Football League tonight, the New York Football Jets and the Los Angeles, not San Diego Chargers, seven fifteen on ESPN. And that Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. And that will do it for the program today. Brant Dontry, thank you for being here, sir. Reports, we might hear you again a little bit later in the week. Until then, hope you have a great week, sir. Cannot confirm or deny, but I hope to do so. Thank you for having me. Very much in play. And then Tom Peavy, we thank you for being here. We'll see you again tomorrow. I will be here. Enjoyed it. That will do it for the program for today. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Brant Dontry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Monday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.